Ford has been fascinated by the unexplained for over half a century. There were two events that had a major influence on Steve and set a course for his future path. Growing up in Michigan, the March 1966 UFO flap occurred virtually in his backyard. The best, however, was yet to come. The following November, a winged humanoid chased two couples down a lonely country road near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and the legend of the Mothman was born. In a way, Steve would be chasing the Mothman the rest of of his life. Influenced by John Keel and Jacques Vallée, his views on UFOs became unconventional and moved more towards a paranormal explanation. In 1977, he made his first visit to Point Pleasant after having read The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. Since 2006, he has been involved in the Mothman Festival, both behind the scenes and as a tour guide at the TNT area where the Mothman was first seen. He has spoken at the Mothman Festival for the last two years. Steve's main area of research is what some call high strangeness, or window areas, as Keel dubbed them, where disparate types of paranormal phenomena all seem to occur in the same location, and that studying these paranormally active locations may be the key to understanding what the source behind the manifestations may be. He is involved with the Roads Beyond the, no the Known web series and is a correspondent on Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. And with that, I'd like to welcome the mighty Steve Ward to the show, man. Thank you for welcome, being Steve. here, Steve. Um, it's great to be here. The yeah. mighty Steve Ward. <laughs> I think so. Um, you know, we don't, as you know, when you're learning this the hard way, um, we don't really plan here. So we're kind of going off the cuff, right? And the one thing that popped in my head is, you know, the years you've had with this thing, right? And that's why I say the mighty Steve Ward, because, you know, I, I, I'm even a victim to this, too. I spent many years studying this stuff. And I guess the, what I want to ask you, this is tied in with what I want to ask you, is, is I spent a lot of years studying this stuff. And as you know, I went bonkers about 10 years ago, and I had to take a long break, right? We, that's why Ghostly Talk went away for a while. Um, has there been in this, you know, in this nearly, you know, half century we're talking here, has there been any times where you had to step away from something like this? Because I know we're going to get into a lot of stories here, but I'm just wondering, you know, this is intense stuff we're talking about. So it, it, it is intense. And I remember uh, one time I had kind of a crisis where I was trying to uh, trying to figure out how this stuff could work, because I, I started uh, I started coming from a perspective of uh, we'll get into John Keel more, but he uh we kind of drifted away from a purely physical explanation for these things. There's something else going on. Yeah, yeah. And for a while there, I was having a hard time trying to figure out how this could be. Yeah. And uh, uh, Amber and I were just talking a little bit earlier about uh, a book called The Poltergeist Experience. No, the uh, it was just The Poltergeist by yeah. William Rowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Poltergeist Experience is Rogo. Yep. Okay. And there were several, there were a few books that helped kind of put things together and, and kind of take this uh, me away from this little crisis about you know how these things can actually work how how the whole uh not it couldn't really sp explain things specifically but kind of i got a kind of an idea of how the whole i guess we want to say macrocosm could work so i yeah, had yeah. had trouble there but i know what you mean there were times when i would get frustrated and it wasn't so much uh being fried by the like you were with the by you know i mean you guys uh uh, you guys were going everywhere, man. You guys are going by every week. I remember that listening. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't quite that like that, but uh, there were a lot, a lot of infighting even back in the old days. 
you know, NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, Donald Kehoe, that's like 50s, 60s stuff. Yeah. They had a few going with Saucer News, James Mosley. <laughs> and they had, uh, there were satires written, Saucer Booze versus No Crap, you know. <laughs> and it was just all this infighting, you know. And here I'm the guy that wants to solve the mysteries. Yeah, Even back yeah. when I thought we were dealing with uh, purely uh, aliens from space. So that would get frustrating sometimes. But And, and I did, there were times when I drifted away but man, there's something that pulled me back every time. I couldn't shake it. Well, I think you know, it's very easy. I think in this field, and we've, and as, as obvious, you've witnessed this. I know I've witnessed it. I know Amber's witnessed it. Um, sometimes it's it's easy to fall into a trope where you're losing sight of what you got into it for, basically. And I found myself kind of falling in. That's one of the reasons I had to just kind of take a break for a while because I found myself every night of the week on the phone talking to people just ranting about ranting about things screaming and yelling about stupid stuff that i look back on now and i'm like man that was just ridiculous i mean that really was not very important what what did embarrass me to a certain degree and upset me was wow looking back on that i wasn't even like diving into what i got into this stuff for when i was a teenager you know so that that's the kind of the weirdness i've seen with things like that and you know Nowadays, I try to just personally, my thing is I want to keep my eye on what I really want to learn about. Um, I don't think we have the same goals, right? Uh, I think mine is more, I'm still very much hobbyist and I'm going to stay very much hobbyist. It seems that it's a nice comfort zone for me (laughs) with this stuff, you know. Um, Going out like yourself, though, I am sure that (laughs) the waters can get kind of choppy. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've told people, I said, look, (laughs) I'm just a guy made it past 60 that's had a hobby for decades <laughs> I, I use the same word yeah yeah uh, I am much more of a researcher I don't really I've done some investigations I mean I've spoken to half a dozen of the original Mothman witnesses and and so forth but yeah. I'm nowhere I'm nowhere near your average I mean I'll be I'll go to something like the Mothman Festival and I'll be standing in between Rosemary Ellen Guiley mm. and Stan Gordon I'm not going to get myself all puffed up and say hey I'm a big-time investigator. No, I'm a guy with a hobby <laughs> that's done a lot of research, and I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not dealing with a chimp here or anything. You know, I do have an original idea once in a while. No, yeah, no. But, but, but my, my thing is, if I have any strength at all, yeah. is uh, I have always, ever since I was introduced to John Keel and Jacques Vallée, like my little intro says, I have been fascinated by connections patterns and so forth okay and that's that's and i I'm, i just naturally think that way now mm-hmm. and when you talk about the idea of you know why you originally got in here and losing that i don't think i've lost that i think no, i still I, have that i don't that was just me i wasn't I, about, yeah i, I understand mm-hmm. but i i still have that I, i'm i'm <laughs> upstairs in my little little den i keep hitting the table here it's okay steve that. everyone okay. does it you're all right <laughs> you're I'm all fine, right man. uh and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in immersed in these stacks of books, and I think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm still finding out stuff. And I just uh, – I don't have the brain to, to keep it all as organized as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Have, you ever, have you ever found something – and then you can't remember where you got it from yep. because oh, you yeah. got that stack of books there. You yep. know it's in that stack somewhere or maybe yep. the stack behind it. Mm-hmm. But so I, I'm trying to get better at that because I'm, I'm going out doing a little bit of speaking now and trying to get my, my thoughts a little organized better. But, yes, mm-hmm. I still have that sense of wonder. Yeah. And uh, it's just very cool. When you say connections, because that makes my antlers pop up anytime somebody says something like that. That's something that Doug and I, for years, 
we're always observing when it comes to the let's just call it the paranormal for right now. Right, that's good. Uh, the paranormal. Um, we were always trying to draw lines to things. Our big thing that we started to kind of uh, run with over a handful of years was simply okay. There's stuff that happens out there, and I'm convinced of that. Whatever it may be, right? There's something that we would consider strange or out of the norm or anomalous. And what we started to kind of drive towards was how are these things related to each other? We think there's some type of relation. And you mentioned something like that. Could you tell me more about that, at least from your, your point of view? Okay, the way, the way this started was I was, uh, I was a guy that was very happy with uh, close encounters of the third kind. And what we're talking about there is that was uh, Dr. Hynek's category oh, yeah. of horror. Uh, you would see some kind of a strange craft, mm-hmm. and in conjunction with that craft was some kind of an entity or humanoid or alien or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Okay. And uh, back in the old days, I, uh, I mentioned NICAP. There was another organization called APRO, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Yeah. And that was headed by Jim and Coral Lorenzen. Now, they were having kind of a, their own little uh, tension between NICAP and, and APRO because yeah, yeah. NICAP would, would, would all day, Keyhole would write all about strange things in the sky and, and, and strange craft and so forth. But, man, they didn't want to touch the, the humanoid reports with a 10-foot pole. Not didn't want to go anywhere near it. But the Lorenzans started publishing books in the 60s okay. called Flying Saucer Occupants and so forth. And they started collecting all these strange reports of landings and people seeing some kind of an alien. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, this is way before the grays showed up and messed right. everything yeah. up. Man. Yep. <laughs> I, I do not like the grays. Yeah, blame the, Whitley. But, but that's right, Whitley. But the serious point there is this. The grays didn't really seem to show up in mass until about the 1980s. It's very difficult to find a real classic gray before that. The the Betty and Barney Hill aliens really weren't grays. They were more of a, uh, I don't know, if if the, the Betty and Barney Hill aliens had made androids of themselves or caricatures of themselves, they probably would have been grays. Mm. But they weren't, weren't really grays. So, uh, but anyway, I was fascinated by those kinds of reports. But I was very, also very content with the idea that we're dealing with aliens from other planets. They're, you know, uh, collecting soil samples, and every once in a while we get an unscheduled medical examination, right? <laughs> and uh, no deductible, no copay. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really until uh, Betty and Barney Hill showed up with that classic abduction case yeah, yeah. where that, that really became more prevalent. Now, they had been happening before, but in, it's almost like the, this is, there's an evolution here with, with things, not simply discovery. I, it, it's almost like this, this thing unfolded after a while. Mm-hmm. So anyway, John Keel, my long-winded point here is John Keel's book, uh, UFOs, Operation Trojan Horse, which is the one that came out prior to the Mothman Prophecies, which may be his most famous book. Mm-hmm. That just uh, messed up my paradigm. I was, uh, I was very unhappy for a while because he, that's where he started making the connections. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley has written the foreword to a new book that's coming out this spring on John Keel, written by Brent Rains. Okay. And in there she says, uh, John Keel was way ahead of his time he saw he, he saw the connectedness between all paranormal phenomena. I might, might paraphrase there, mm-hmm. and uh, he did think begin to think that all these things were connected: UFOs, cryptids, and, and poltergeist phenomena, and other other types of. of uh, so we weren't cutting any new ground even uh, back 10, 15 years no, ago. No, but isn't it interesting that a lot of people had you know uh, not you know I have 
uh, had ideas that were at least original to me, yeah. then I read a book that somebody else had it, you know, yep. well, it wasn't yep, new, but, yep, but, but at least I was able to But at least you arrived yeah, at that right. conclusion. You can exactly. be proud that you did that on well, your no, own. But, you know, I've that, been there. But what that also says, though, too, is even though, yeah, I mean, original thought, whatever that might be, what that path that I was talking about a few minutes ago that Doug and I were running on for a long time, uh, and then... Seeing it in a book that was probably was written what two three decades before that, it does lend okay. There's something here. Like we we're not the only ones who are thinking like this. May, there may be some water to this idea. I, I have a question for you. What what was it in in your experience, your guys that started you know leading you that way? Because it's very easy, and people still do these days get get their own uh, area of specialty, whether it be mm-hmm. ghosts, UFOs, or whatever, and just stay there. But you guys, you know, it was there must have been some spark or something that uh, led the you that The spark simply was this, because we were doing an internet radio show or a radio show, whatever it was back then, once or sometimes twice a week. And the one thing that we would always say to people was, it's very difficult to do this and try to, and, and in, the, in the arena of studying the paranormal because you're getting slammed. I mean, a lot of shows we had back in those days, we'd have three different guests on the show in one night. So we were getting hammered with all these crazy ideas, right? Which is great. That's totally cool. But um, it was, and we would, coming off of that, we'd say, well, yeah, we're, you know, we do a show, we do a radio show. So we're jack of all trades, master of none, that idea, right? Uh, but so being in that kind of a pickle, because we can't really spend focus on anything because we're so busy doing our show. And I'm not saying any of this that was bad. It's just what it was, that's what we found ourselves being, you know, doing with the show. We started to just draw those lines like, well, you know, what's what can we extrapolate from this to, for, to help us grow? You know, and that was many conversations that Doug and I had off the air. And that was some of the things where we started. It was just conversations we had, simply conversations. So where, you were just introduced to a, a thousand different ideas week after week. And then, and then just conversations over coffee and stuff with me and Doug outside of the show where we talk about the stuff that we were learning from people on the show. And that's when we just, you know, the other person said that about that thing. And that kind of ties in with that. And that kind of just got our, sparked that idea we had. Simply, so there wasn't any, like, life-changing thing that happened to us or something, some, you know, thing that, like, we saw something in the sky or saw something in the woods or whatnot. It was just just simply me and Doug interacting that kind of got us both, you know, working together on that, you know, exchanging, you know, doing the mind melt, so to say. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of where we started running down that road. And it wasn't something we were like, we're going to write a thesis on this. Right. It's just we would we would consciously do shows. And, you know, if you listen to the old shows like that from back in the day, you you could hear us every once in a while go, you know, you hear us say like we had a person a while ago talked about something that's similar, you know, that that kind of ties in with that idea and stuff like that. Very loose ideas. Right. I mean, you can't prove anything, but um, that's simply how we got into that into that into that thought process, that idea, that oh, that's, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, you you could have been in a situation where you, I mean, some people will will just filter that out. It's like you know, I'm hey, I, I'm a ghost hunter, and I want to find out, you know, if there's an afterlife or not, and I don't give a rat's ass about uh, UFOs well, and you know, and that's on that idea, that's great because that's something that honestly. I've kind of, you know, doing what I've done as far as my participation in this community, in this field, it's something that I, w- I, I wanted to do for many years is just focus on an aspect, an idea of one thing that I just 
felt was in love with, like I was obsessed with, right? And there's a handful of things in this field, you know, in all different shapes and colors and sizes that I am obsessed with. But, you know, again, it's doing the show. And that's fine. I'm totally cool with that. So I'm okay with that idea too, where people say, look, no, I want to, I, I don't care about Bigfoot. I care about spirit photography. That's what I care about. Right. That's my field of expertise or not. I, I shouldn't say that. That's my, my obsession. That's my, where I'm the most experienced at. And I want, if I want to have a breakthrough, I want to have it with spirit photography. You know that, and I think that's another great well, idea. Yeah, that's, that's, that's specializing. It's, a good, it's specializing. I, yeah. I, I just recommend to people that if uh, there's been, uh, uh, I had a, a lady contact me um, about a year and a half ago yeah. uh, from New Hampshire, and uh, she wanted to tell me about the experience she and her husband had mm-hmm. with uh, some kind of a strange craft. And it was, uh, they were up early in the morning, they're standing on their front porch. Uh, they live near an airport, so they're very uh, familiar with conventional mm-hmm. aircraft mm-hmm. lights and so forth. But what they saw was something pretty odd, and then all of a sudden they realized they're not standing next to each other any, anymore. They're all the way on each side of the porch. And yeah. they look up and they see this giant black triangle so low that it's brushing the tops of the trees. Ah. And then ah. and then, they thought nothing of it and went to bed. Yeah. Later on, they thought, what was that was weird. Why did we react so nonchalantly? And oh, by the way, we <laughs> lost a really? half hour. Oh, yeah, missing time. Yes. So, we lost a half hour. But now, see, if I had stayed frozen in the 1960s, I wouldn't have a slew of, say, John Keel-style questions and Rosemary Ellen Guiley-style questions. Rosemary discovered, when she was doing her investigations into shadow people, that people that were having these experiences, a significant percentage of them were also classic alien abductees. Mm -hmm. Now, who would have thought that? But she asked the right questions. And she didn't ignore the people when they started talking about other things. John Keel had a catchphrase. It was... Ask the contactee or the experiencer, what did they have for breakfast? And what he meant was, find out about the individual. Because he found that most people that were having these experiences, whatever they were, were either psychic or had latent psychic ability. And they had all, were having all kinds of things going on in their life, like strange interference with their TV or electronics, uh, bedroom invaders, shadowy figures in the house. Uh, they might have seen a cryptid or whatever. So he would ask all these other questions, you know, strange visitors, strange phone calls. And that even gets into the men in black. So I asked this lady a series of John Keel-style questions, and I found out that she had experienced shadow people. She saw a shadow person at work one time moving along the wall. Both her sons experienced orb phenomena. Yeah. Uh, uh, one had seen these strange orange orbs outside the window yeah. dancing around. The yeah. other one saw an orb come right up to him in the house, circle him, and take off. Yeah. And then I said, okay, here's a strange question. I said, have you ever seen anything like a Bigfoot or any kind of unusual creature? And she said, well, no. And then she said, oh, wait a minute. My mother-in-law and sister-in-law saw something really strange in this area one night. And what it was, she described it as some kind of a panther-like creature on two legs standing next to a tree. It mm-hmm. saw them and took off. Now, if I had, again, if I was that guy in the 1960s who had never been introduced to UFOs Operation Trojan Horse or researchers like Rosemary Guiley, I wouldn't have known to ask those questions. And that opened up a whole new area yeah. because there's a lot of people are experiencing a lot more than that initial experience. Well, and, and- yeah, and that's I think where we, where we got to with this this, this area of questioning, I guess, uh, is um, this crossover type thing, you know. And I mean, while I just got done saying, "Are you getting coffee?" Oh yay, hook me up. Uh, well, I you know, I think there's a, there's a it's healthy to be 
uh, focused and specialized on something. Um, I mean, that obviously is, I mean, I'm just open to people doing whatever the hell they want. You know what I mean? Right. But really, my thing is leaning more towards this idea you're talking about to pay attention to everything. That's my thing right. is pay attention to everything. And, go ahead. Stan Gordon has told me. Mm-hmm. That, now, Stan Gordon is the researcher from Pennsylvania. He, uh, he's been at this for decades. He, he uh, covered these strange uh, Bigfoot and UFO reports that uh, happened simultaneously in 73, 74. Yeah. Just bizarre. Anyway, he's told me that he has talked to people that had talked to other researchers. And when they told them about uh, their UFO sighting, they said, I don't want to hear about your UFO sighting. I, you're, I want to hear about your Bigfoot report and vice versa. You know, I don't want to hear about your saw Bigfoot. I want to hear about this UFO from Alpha Centauri. So there are researchers out there that, you know, it's fine to specialize, but I would, I would just caution people well, you get, get the whole spectrum because there's something very strange going on. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so I think we covered that. We got this idea down. And, I mean, I'm with that. I know when we were questioned by MUFON, when we had our thing, and we've talked about this on the show. I don't know if you've, I'm sure we've told you about this, Steve. I, I, I don't know if I... Our I, UFO sighting that we saw. Where was that? This was in Grand Haven, where Amber's from. Oh, yes, I yeah, do we remember told you that. all about yep. that. And you, I didn't know you went to MUFON, though. Well, we did go to MUFON. We went to MUFON, um, and, I mean, I was, I expected the questions. I expected a questionnaire to be sent to me for me to, to and I answered everything and the, and the questions were, and there were a lot of things you know the, the usual stuff like were you drinking <laughs> were you oh, doing yeah, drugs yeah. I'm like no no we were, we just had dinner <laughs> we were at Applebee's a couple hours before that you know uh, you know there was, there was those questions uh, but it was very it was very conclusive it was very concise uh, and there were other uh, there were questions I saw that were they're not loaded questions they're they're going along the same idea that we're talking about here like you know it isn't just did you see an unidentified flying object in the sky? It's like, could this be something else possibly too? Uh, so I've been personally questioned like that. And I think it, I think it's totally cool. And I support that too. I think it's fantastic. So that idea um, of just the glue, we would call it the glue, right. the, the paranormal glue. I don't know <laughs> the, the ethereal glue for all this stuff. Uh, some MUFON people are uh, very uh, uh, hesitant to, get into the weird stuff because they, they think it, uh, it takes away credibility from what they're trying to do. Uh, yeah. now, I know Bill Konkoleski from Michigan. Yeah, Bill, Ufon, yeah. He's been he's, here. Yeah. He, he has experienced it. some of the weird stuff. Oh, and he's yeah. Very, he's very uh, uh, open to listening to the whole spectrum, but he's, yeah. I think he's run into some people that, that don't. I can give you a classic example of that. Uh, Ron Moorhead, who mm-hmm. is known as the, cla- the uh, major Bigfoot researcher, he's the one that, uh, along with Alan Berry, captured the Sierra sounds, mm-hmm. the, uh, those great, uh, uh, probably authentic sounds of Bigfoot yeah, from the yeah. Sierra Nevada. Yeah, yeah, I remember right? that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, uh, you know, because he, I was at a, uh, a Bigfoot conference at Salt Fork State Park. And his daughter, Ron Moorhead's daughter, Rhonda, got up. And she started talking about some very strange things that had happened to her because she'd been on some of her uh, father's uh, uh, travels out okay. there. All right. Telepathic communications and just really, really strange stuff. Apparently, that had been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. But Ron Moorhead, in his first book, he kept quiet about that. And you find out later it was because of Alan Barry. Mm-hmm. Alan Barry was the... Uh, 
the reporter that went out with them early on. Yeah. And originally he was skeptical. He thought they were hoaxing the whole thing. And then he found out, oh, no, there's something really going on. And then also he found out there's, some, you know, there's a lot of paranormal aspects connected with Bigfoot as well. Yeah. But he didn't want Ron Moorhead to run with that because it was so hard to Thank get you. the scientific community just to accept a basic unknown hairy hominid you know, wandering through the woods with, without yeah, getting yeah. into the... You know, Bigfoot's, I mean, we've heard stories of Bigfoot's glowing and disappearing and the red glowing eyes. Well, they're, and, they're an know. alien now. I mean, yeah. everybody keeps wanting, I've been seeing that one. They're, interdimensional. You know, interdimensional. Yes. Interdimensional uh, entity that, that floats in between dimensions, and, obviously. And, and don't you love the way people throw around the word interdimensional and say, okay, what do you mean? Is it a physical creature that can, is elusive and can go somewhere else through a portal or something? Or does it, you know, like uh, quantum physics or whatever does it materialize it may not, it may not have control of it yes. i mean i mean what i mean i did and i i mean to that point i've heard this i've heard this theory and i mean the fact that it just nobody seems to be able to find anything and i know there's theories to that like look when something di- you know like why haven't we found a bigfoot carcass well well you know when things when something dies in the woods it generally gets eaten right up right which makes sense i i, I get that uh, but it seems like there may have been something out there. Like, you mean to tell me, you know, all these years of Bigfoot research, and I mean, I'm not poking the finger at any researchers out there, but in all these years of Bigfoot research, we haven't found a skull of something that we would consider like, holy crap, who's, this is a big head. You know, this is a big thing. I mean, obviously, judging by what people say, the size of a Bigfoot, it, you know, the Sasquatch is, it's going to be a larger head. Why haven't we found a skull like that, right? Uh, so going back to that idea of, you know, maybe this is something that, you know, and it's a wild theory. It's a wild theory. Like this, this hairy, this Sasquatch is something that goes in and out of different dimensions. And that's why we only see it every once in a while. And that's why there's no scat on the ground. That's why we don't find any bones anywhere. That's why we haven't found any carcasses anywhere because this thing is floating in. Well, what the fuck then? Why is this thing? If maybe if it floats into our dimension, maybe it dies here. It can well, die here, can it? Right. The, the, John Keel came up with the uh, the idea. He talked about ultra terrestrials. Now, that was a term he borrowed from Ivan Sanderson. Ivan Sanderson, of course, yeah. uh, wrote the Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life in great books on UFOs. They mm-hmm. were colleagues. Uh, Keel used it as a literary device. He he. The, the implication was that whatever this was, it wasn't off world. It was probably something that was a natural condition to the planet. Yeah. And so he hypothesized, although if you read his writings carefully, he didn't really, couldn't really tell you definitively what was going on. Yeah, yeah. But he used that term as implying some kind of an intelligence or energy that could, and I love this word, transmogrify. The, the only other place I've ever heard that is in Kelvin and Hobbes comic strips. Remember <laughs> Spaceman Spiff and his transmogrifier? Yeah, that, that's it. Keel and, and Kelvin, that's it. <laughs> Keel and Kelvin. But uh, he believed that it, he wasn't concerned about uh, what the UFO looked like. Yeah. Did it have a dome? Did it have any portholes? He didn't care because he probably thought it didn't matter. He was, he was interested in what he said was the cosmic mechanism behind the phenomena. Okay. And that gets into the reflective factor. You know, you had the uh, fairy lights, then you had airships, you had the ghost planes in the 40s, you had the Foo Fighters in the later in the 40s, mm-hmm. you had, then you had conventional UFOs. It's almost as if, he Keel thought, 
this is reflective of human consciousness. It kind of is it's fulfilling our expectations, but it's not hallucinations because it was it would transmogrify. It would actually be paraphysical, would leave uh, footprints and, and so forth. But it wasn't. You weren't talking about actual creatures. Well, that that explains well, 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 that explains okay. some some of it. Yeah. But, go ahead. Well, no, I'm. Well, I was I'm, I was gonna point out that's that what like Trojan horse is about. That, well, and then the whole like how you just kind of pointed out this like evolution and I find it interesting too when we were talking about how we have viewed aliens over the years and how there's the like the 50s aliens do not look like the 1980s Whitley Strieber grays exactly. and how that kind of reflects on our pop culture what's going on in our movies and how we're viewing these things and in the 50s and you look back at like Twilight Zone or any of the sci-fi stuff it's always these kind of robot things right or like the beautiful Vesuvians and it's like this blonde girl that gets out and of the spacecraft and no, I'd like um, I'd like more of those would right, be good right. <laughs> And so you have this reflection of our consciousness and how we see these yes, things. Yes, very, very, very possible. Yeah. He, that's what he, he thought. Now, Keel did not close the door on the E.T. idea, although almost, you know. And even in a, in a, in a later article in uh, Fate, he said this ultra-terrestrial idea, wasn't, he wasn't saying that was the only possibility because Keel didn't really know. But now I, I take that to bring you here. Back in the 70s, I remember, now, by the way, back in the 1970s, mm-hmm. I went to the, uh, the 1976 MUFON Symposium, all right? And I was in seventh heaven, man. There's a Dr. J. Allen Hynek. This is oh, in wow. Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor. Yeah, it's yeah. 10 years after the swamp gas stuff. For you you youngins that didn't live through the swamp gas era, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what got me started, all right? And, uh, <laughs> and this is 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Hynek is giving a talk called Swamp Gas Plus 10 and Counting. And uh, by then, he became one of the good guys, because back in the, in the early days, he was a sort of a debunker for the Air Force's Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. But he began to realize, hey, something is going on here. Yeah. He started the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston, Illinois, and uh, he wrote the book called The UFO Experience, where he first laid out the categories of the close encounter categories. You know, he really became one of the good guys. So anyway, when I went to that MUFON symposium, I was... Uh, I was preaching the church of John Keel, man, and nobody wanted to hear it. They were, they were wanted aliens and, and spa- metallic spaceships. Shut this kid up. So, uh, but uh, there was a theory being pushed around I don't think was completely Keel, but it was, again, talking about the reflective factor. But the mm-hmm. idea was this. Some of these things were real and physical. You had real aliens visiting the Earth. You had real Sasquatch creatures in the Northwest somewhere. Okay. Uh, you maybe even had some real uh, religious apparitions, miracles that were actually supernatural, okay? Mm-hmm. But then there's this reflective factor. There's this mechanism in human consciousness, whatever it is. This, uh, like Carl Jung, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, he wrote the, the modern myth of things seen in the sky. He mm-hmm. thought UFOs were the Mandela that re- represented good and the, and the circle and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a hard time figuring out, figuring out how it could become physical. Well, anyway, the idea here is this. You've got a real Bigfoot, but then there's this reflective factor in human consciousness that that mimics it somehow. And then you get, the, so you get this really strange Bigfoot reports like you did in Pennsylvania in 73 and 74, mm-hmm. where a woman went out on her porch. She hears this commotion. She thinks it's dogs in the garbage. She sees this thing she called a gorilla, lifts up its arms. She shoots it point blank with a shotgun. It disappears in a hail of sparks. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of uh, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, uh, stories like that. And these these were uh, Stan Gordon got people down 
to these reports like within an hour sometime. These weren't something that Uncle Ebenezer told about something that happened two years before. They yeah. were right right there. So you have the you have the stuff that seems to be real and physical and then the stuff that is just so out there. Mm. So just the possibility that, that maybe both are true. Maybe maybe one is a and I don't know how it would happen or why or, or, or how how it would something would cause it. Mm-hmm. But the you've got the the weird stuff that is a mimic of the real physical stuff, and that was that was just an idea that was being yeah. pushed around back then. Well, uh, well, you already said you don't know why though, because I want to ask why. Well, but well, I know I can't. <laughs> okay, well, see, there was there was there was a, a, a originally I was uh, Keel kind of rejected the ET theory for a while, and I did too. I mm-hmm. thought we were dealing with. Uh, psychic manifestations of a collective human subconscious and these were archetypes deeply buried archetypes you know the monsters the, with the red glowing eyes yeah, the, yeah. the the spaceships and all that stuff but still i couldn't explain a lot of things i couldn't explain okay why only these particular things you know there were certain categories we didn't see uh uh, we, we don't see pop culture figures like Harry Potter flying around in a broom. If the collective humans... Right, and, yeah. And there, there may well be. I mean, somebody's probably seen them somewhere. But uh, And, you know, the cryptids are... Every once in a while you get a ringer, something that doesn't fit. Yeah. But yeah. you get you get, get these general categories. But why why those particular things? Those things in particular, yeah. yes. And, and then, you know, also I had to think, well, look, if one crash saucer story is right, just one... That puts it in the realm of the physical, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and then what about this alien implant thing? The uh, It doesn't seem like the government could, it's possible, it doesn't seem like a black operation could explain all these strange uh, implants. Remember Dr. Roger Lear? Yeah. He, he took out some of these implants that were actually broadcasting on an FM frequency, these little blobs mm-hmm. of metal. Mm-hmm. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. How do you explain that? So there, there were certain things that just didn't, uh, you couldn't explain with the, sort of planetary poltergeist where the the human consciousness is reflecting all this back on us yeah but i have another idea but go ahead go ahead no go ahead okay i want to hear what you have i'm just well for the longest time i'm I, I, trying I, to understand this stuff so okay yeah. I, I don't understand it either so you're in good, good shape <laughs> uh so anyway there's some, but there's something there's something about to what keel has been talking about and scott rogo we were talking yep. about earlier uh, where there is some, that this, a lot of this is inexorably linked to human consciousness and responsive to it and reflective to it. Mm-hmm. it. It fulfills our expectations. But it seems to me that if we follow the reports and the experiences, we must also be dealing with some other intelligence, mm-hmm. whether it be ET, ultra-terrestrial, extra-dimensional, elemental, hidden civilization, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are, it does seem like, I mean, there, there are, there's so many examples I could give. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, uh, Bob Pratt wrote a book called UFO Danger Zone about these really bizarre abduction attempts in uh, South America back Bob in the Bob Pratt 80s. wrote, he wrote another book on, on, on black, another Black Ops type book too. I think he, I have he, one, but not the he, one you're he, talking about. He could though. have. Yeah. He, uh. He actually wrote uh, UFO articles for the National Enquirer at one time, back when they were actually doing good reporting. Yeah. He wrote about the uh, the original Travis Walton. Uh, really? Yes, report. Oh, wow. I, I saw him at that MUFON symposium. He was mm-hmm. in the audience. He didn't speak there, but he was in the audience covering yeah. it. And it was funny because one of the guys made a snide comment about the National Enquirer. So Bob Pratt spoke up and said, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, we're doing accurate <laughs> reporting here. So. Yeah. 
but uh, uh, but anyway, that, that these uh, this UFO danger zone, mm-hmm. that these these backwoods farmers that know nothing, you know, the pop culture hadn't hit them, were being uh, there was these bizarre abduction attempts at night, where these these hooks or whatever would come down and grab the poor guy and try to pull him up like into a giant the claw game. Yes, just about. <laughs> and uh, I mean, well, there's so many the examples. whole thing. There, there, there's so many things that don't fit into yeah. the human consciousness idea yeah. or the ultra terrestrial uh so uh i think uh, i think that they you know okay let's suppose both are true let's suppose well, there's this mechanism in human consciousness that goes nuts and and creates these phantasms sometimes for mm-hmm. whatever reason mm-hmm. and then we also have this uh other intelligence whatever it may be and there's probably more than one mm-hmm. isn't it likely that they're aware of this aspect of us Perhaps they can use use that against us, or to to mask their own activities. Whether they do have, use some kind of technology mm-hmm. or force of will or consciousness, it just seems to me that, that there's two these two factors here where we can't ignore the fact that there we must be dealing with other some other intelligence. But yeah. this, go ahead, Amber. I was going to say it's like that couple that kind of had the missing time, and they're like, "Wait, why did we just see this thing in the sky and walk away? What did that to us?" You know, that was that trippy stuff. And then didn't Benny and Barney Hill also kind of just like, eh? like they, yeah. there was something with how, like, weren't they affected something or did they get? Yeah. Well, yeah. They, well, first they heard a, well, they saw the object as it got closer. See, Keel thought that the only thing, the only reality of some of these things was a flash of light because they saw the flash of light and then they saw the object. He thought they were being programmed and that, that they maybe not really were seeing the object or, or what have you. Uh, but uh, they heard a series of beeps. Okay. And okay. then they kind of went out. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's very similar to, that gets into a whole other area of fairy lore and you know, Jacques Vallée and the, the, you know, I had just recovered from UFOs Operation Trojan Horse. And then I read Passport to Magonia <laughs> by, by uh, Jacques Vallée. Oh, God. I'll no, never, further never, down the hole. I'm never going to recover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there, there's a real uh, connection between folklore uh, and some modern day UFO experiences. But uh, I forget where the heck I was going. But anyway. Uh, well, I mean, I think what I was thinking of, what you were talking about with your previous point, was simply we, this idea that we as a race of people, no matter what color, creed, race, whatever we are, I think I believe we, I, I agree, I should say, that I think there is a power in human consciousness to manifest things if we're all thinking about them hard enough. Um it like, may not even be something you can think about. I've, I've been places like, you know, I'll, I'll bring this down to my level at least. And I think Keith, our buddy Keith's in Oh, the yeah, by the way, Keith, <laughs> Keith, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I've been meaning to say like. Well, I kept thinking too. I'm like, Keith can chime in any well, minute. I, like if he has something. Go ahead. I'm actually thinking about this. Some, I was thinking about something earlier, actually this week, before I even knew I was going to be sitting in with you. And um, But what you're speaking about is. A part of what I was I was considering, um, if we think of the you know just the human race as a whole, however we appeared or by design or whatever it is, we're intended, I imagine, to function properly, you know, not develop cancer or or mental illness. The body is intended to function properly a certain way point, yeah. t- point taken but uh, scott and i wouldn't fit that uh, oh. well <laughs> go ahead but that that being said <laughs> the um you know the the ideas that we can manifest reality 
that we have the power to do that. Yeah. If this is something inherent to the human condition, I would suspect initially it is intended to be in the context of having a healthy body, having a healthy mind. Agreed. So what happens when the human race as a whole has the ability to manifest reality, but you add to the equation schizophrenia, unspecified psychotic disorders, other various mental illnesses, physiological illnesses? How does that impact the, the collective unconscious? Well, I guess well, how, do, how yeah. does it impact, impact the manifestation process? Well, I guess what I guess what the question will be about that is how many people does it take to manifest something? How many people with healthy minds? And who has a healthy mind? Okay, we're all good. Let's manifest a pizza. Think, guys. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> no, I mean, really. I mean, right. I think, and we, you know, you and I, Keith, have had plenty of conversations about this. I and I, I believe, a hundred percent. Even the most level-headed, um, most, I guess, with it. When I say that in quotes, most together people you see that may even appear to be that way mentally. We, I think, every every mind on this planet has some type of defect. That I think it's just part of our human condition. We're not a perfect. I don't think we're a perfect machine by any means whatsoever, especially on a mental level, right? Um, so I guess the question is just that. When we're talking about this idea, Steve, of uh, manifesting something, mind power my manifesting something, I guess it, it's, it comes down to an idea of mathematics, theoretical mathematics in this case, where... How many healthy minds does it take to make an apple show up on the table? Or a slender man. Or a yes, slender man. Yes, those yeah. thought forms, yes. Yeah. Right. And that's like what Keith was just saying, you're, we're manifesting monsters in some way. Well, okay. and that's entirely possible. And what if, you know, initially, I mean, initially, and I, I don't have concrete ideas about the origin of the human race or you know, the universe or anything, but initially, you know, what if there was a construct in place where manifestation was just more of a, a, a regular uh, dynamic of existence? And it was just a normal part of, of daily life, the process of manifestation. You know, maybe this was a cleaner slate at some time. And then you start, you know, there are anomalies that come in. You, okay, you throw in one. It's a good glitch in the matrix. You, you, throw in one, you throw in one psychotic disorder or you throw in, you know, things that start to snowball slowly over time mm -hmm. and then you know do, do we arrive at a place where is it the chicken or the egg you know the so the the um the whole machine has gotten so corrupt that now what is corrupt is manifesting further further corruption or you know skewing the the plan or the model even further presumably awareness if you could make the masses aware of this they could correct it but people aren't aware uh this brings it to mind have you ever seen the the film forbidden planet no okay yeah i have okay well the 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 macguffin is they go to this planet and there's this ancient race that's that wiped itself out somehow but they left this advanced machinery all these these things and they, one of the devices they left was a device that could manifest things from matter, manifest matter from thought. But they, as, you, as the movie unfolds, you find out what killed them were monsters from the id, ID, like, like Sigmund Ooh. Freud. Right. So it was that dark side of the, of the consciousness that 
they didn't realize that they, you know, that, that, that secret hatreds or whatever in the, the, the main plot of the story is that Morbius doesn't want the Earthman to take his daughter back to Earth. And so he has unconsciously created this, this monster, which is only seen occasionally, you know, uh, through animation, uh, and, and trying to destroy them. But it's coming from him via these machines. Now, if we're, what we're hypothesizing here, we don't need the, the machines, the devices of the Krell, this ancient race. It's a natural mechan mechanism in human consciousness. But... Boy, we've really gone off the rails here. That's okay, because that's what we do here. <laughs> that's what we do every show, and that's awesome. And that reminded me, when I was talking to you at the UFO Con, uh, we were talking about you have an extreme love of sci-fi, mm -hmm. and that you've read that for a long time. And then, have, has that ever, have you ever drawn any interesting parallels between the sci-fi you're reading and then all of the other... Uh, for Tien and you know all that kind of stuff and go whoa wait well, I kind of just got an idea from that sci-fi book I read a, a few of them and, and that that Forbidden Planet is one yeah is one and another one is one we were talking about earlier tonight uh, the American title was Five Million Years to Earth and the British title was Quartermass and the Pit oh, okay and that has so many modern day ideas in it and for those that don't know it's a well it was a, a, a British uh, um, sort of a miniseries a, a, a serial at one time but also it became a uh, a, uh, uh, a hammer horror film of the 1960s, very well done. And it, it introduces uh, uh, genetic manipulation, you know, with yep. the, uh, and uh, we, we don't have time to give them the whole plot. Right, I but, know. But the racial memory, uh, poltergeist phenomena, uh, the way that uh, there were areas like Hobbs Lane that were called yeah. that because yeah. of this, this ingrained your human. Win your window areas yeah, it, or whatever. There's so many cool yeah. ideas in this old, you know, yeah. what, cent half a century old film. Yeah. That, uh, so, yeah, yeah, there are, uh, now it was my, uh, I think it was just my love of science fiction that, you know, the, the idea that UFOs and could be real and coming from other planets, that's probably what led me into this originally. Ghostly Talk! I ran upstairs just before you guys stopped talking for the first, what we'll call the first segment now. Um, I ran upstairs to use the potty and warm up my coffee, and I come upstairs, and there's puddles of coffee in the kitchen. <clears throat> That's how you send Uncle Scott L. nuclear. I'm sorry I manifested that, Scott. Maybe, yeah, we were manifesting monsters. We manifested monsters. coffee. We manifested the no, coffee instead monster. Instead of the pizza that I wanted to appear, that's what happened. I was nowhere near the kitchen. That piece of, shit, co that piece of shit coffee maker. That piece of shit coffee it's maker. It's gone. It's going away. We've discussed this it's before we started recording again. Can I get a new one? I have a brand new log splitter in the backyard. It's going to be going into the log splitter, I think, tomorrow. No, because stuff's going to explode everywhere. And then once something will go into your eye, like in Mackinac, and you'll have to get a tetanus, and it's all going to go down. Don't do that. Don't do that. What do we do? I want to destroy it somehow. Then I let's, really don't let's like hit it with like a hammer. Well, I can with get, glasses how about, on. How about, my, how about my, my, my actual mall splitter, like my, my, my axe? Fine. If that do, will make do you, you feel better. Do you have safety better. goggles? Yeah, yeah goggles. Yeah, that stuff. So do that. Or we could blow it up. Blow it no. Up. No. I got a friend. No. No. I want to do something bad to this coffee maker. This thing has blown up on us like this so many times. I'm done with it. I can't. You could run anymore. over it. <gasps> oh. No, back that back will pop roll, your car. Up. Somehow, well, the, not somehow, the car, but the tire. Somehow, the, the coffee maker will get its revenge yeah. on us. No. Maybe I should just calmly take the Maybe coffee maker. Maybe we should maker. bury it. Oh yeah. So it starts showing up around the house with dirt all over it. <laughs> the haunted coffee maker. Of I just wake talk. up and it's sitting at the end of my bed, just covered in dirt. <laughs> like <laughs> no. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, it was kind of good that you guys. I wasn't here, but you guys just kind of stopped, and because I'm up, I'm upstairs like grumbling, like, okay, just gotta keep my mouth shut because they're down there actually doing a show, and I'm up here just like gritting my teeth. And you guys stopped, and I'm like, so we got it all straightened out. So we're back here. We did get coffee out of it. We're drinking the coffee, and it's really good. Yeah, it's good. It makes good coffee. It's just well, Trader Joe's makes good coffee. Oh, so we're just going to totally not give this no. coffee maker any credit whatsoever. No. no. But let's get back into high strangeness. Let's talk about Well, let's um, talk about Benny and Barney Hill. Well, we no, well, we actually well before that, we talked about that we were chatting about this a little while ago. Uh, we were all at the the Oh, the yeah, conference. Yeah, the the Michigan UFO contact. Yeah. That's what they were calling it up in Houghton Lake a couple weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. We had a riot with that. And the whole gang was up there hanging around. Uh, that's what we and saw. And Steve talked there. Yeah, you talked there. Uh, John Tenney talked there. Uh, yeah. Xie was there, too, who was just on the show last week. Nick Redfern was there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Nick's really cool. Uh, I met, got a chance to meet Erica Lukes from yeah, Utah, super cool. yeah, super who cool. has had access to the Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just on her show uh, a few days ago. Oh, awesome. really? And she she's a, a great host as well. Awesome. Really? It's a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, great. And cool. she's also... Uh, very much on the same wavelength as, as to what we've been on here. Okay, good. Because I was kind of curious when I first met her. I didn't know, you know, what what her perspective right. was. But she's, uh, uh, especially after encountering, encountering the, the Skinwalker Ranch, and I'm sure the audience must know what the Skinwalker Ranch is. Mm-hmm. That's strange. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's one of the, oh, that's, that's what I wanted to mention. One of the other areas that I'm very much into, we've gotten into all this, you know, ethereal, esoteric stuff about consciousness. But these high strangeness areas, like the Skinwalker Ranch, like uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, yep. like Marley Woods, like the Bradshaw Ranch, on and on, uh, people will call them window areas. That's what Keel called them. Uh, portals, vortexes. These are areas where all this high strangeness, seemingly different types of paranormal phenomena happen in the same area. UFOs, cryptids poltergeist phenomena yeah everything uh, animal mutilations uh it just you name it uh it seems to me that it's kind of, it's it's really inexplicable i mean in a, in a in a realm that's already inexplicable yeah yeah why is it that all these things that seem to be not having any connection at all and we probably have to go back to keel and valet and so forth to, to try and ferret some of that out uh but that seems to me that'd be an area that is worth exploring for researchers because possibly we'll make some headway if we can figure out why all these things are happening in a particular Certain geographical areas. spot. In, right. in Mothman, was it there was all was there other stuff going on besides just the this, I mean I know it was the Men in Black and then there was the creature sighting, but was there other things just besides those there, two? There was all kinds of UFO sightings. I okay. mean they were just plentiful. I guess there were some uh, some animal mutilations in oh, the area really? as well. Uh, the strange Men in Black phenomena, which is just uh, bizarre. Uh, some people would have an encounter with a UFO. They'd come home and have an outbreak of poltergeist phenomena for a couple weeks. Uh, they'd have bedroom invaders, some kind of a strange apparition show up in their bedroom. So it was a, uh, it was just a three-ring circus of the paranormal. And uh, when, I, when I talk about uh, that, that, you know, I've, I've given talks about John Keel and Mothman, and recently I tell people, I say, look, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in the Ohio Valley back then, but imagine we're in a theater watching a movie and you're seeing, the, uh, seeing previews to a movie. You know how you get these little flashes, these mm-hmm. different scenes. And then you know when you go see the movie, it's all going to make sense. It's all going to fit together. But it never did fit together. Yeah. It was just, I, I, I call them like phantasms. It's like just uh, 
just bizarre events that don't seem to have any connection at all, except that they happened to sometimes the same people in the same area. And did it completely stop, or do you think that area still has like a certain amount of high strangeness? It, it, it has a certain amount of high strangeness, but people uh, people are not seeing UFOs like they did okay. back in that day. I mean, the uh, Camp Conley Road, which is kind of the uh, the southern extremity of what they call the TNT area. Now, the TNT area was uh, a munitions uh, mm -hmm. manufacturing place back in uh, well, World War II. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the old black and white photographs, it was an amazing complex. Yeah. But even back in the 1960s, where they first saw the Mothman by the old power plant, it was a ruin. It was just, you know, just a, a now it's a wildlife area, but it was just uh, abandoned and nothing. And now, you know, flash forward another half century, and it's really desolate and creepy. It is. But uh, uh, people now, see, I don't... <laughs> I experience very, very little. Uh, I've had friends of mine out there that have experienced things, seen shadow people, seen orbs. In fact, one night I was out there with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, Joey and Tanya Medea, who just finished a book on uh, called Watch Out for the Hallway, uh, which is a book about a haunted library in uh, North Carolina, mm. which even had men in black style apparitions mm. in it. They were out there. Yes. Men in black. Men now. in black. Classic uh, black suit, black fedora well, apparitions. Couldn't that be leading back to shadow people? Because we've talked about shadow people in the past here. And a lot of people's interpretation of shadow people's has always been, I always call it, they look like the spy versus spy comic. Like the black the black one and the uh, spy the versus. man, right. Yeah. Um, that seems like that one may be similar to... Well, probably probably is all connected. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're just yeah. We're, this is all gray uh, areas now. It's very fluid. Why the heck are these guys? Who's there? Was it a haberdasher? Do they have a, a yeah, shadowy right? haberdasher yeah. to pick <laughs> yeah. up? Let's see. I'm like a bowler this time. Yes. You know what? How does that even work? That these have have uh, have a, a yeah, different they style. They all coordinate. Hat. Guys, I don't know. This is what we're wearing tonight. Let's go for this for the next decade. Well, there's that absurd factor. That's another thing. You got we, what we haven't talked about. What I've implied is we got that underlying trickster element in all these things. You have got the absolute absurd factor. You got uh, the, the 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 trickster and the absurd factor was prevalent in the Ohio Valley in, mm -hmm. in Point Pleasant and so many and the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, um, I don't know where I'm going. From that's here, okay. That's okay. That's I'm right. looking to the host. That's, that's, yes. well, okay. that's what we do. Well, the trickster element you're talking about. Yes. Well, let's, let's go on that. Let's talk All about right. the, tri the trickster element. And that, and that might go back to the when we're talking about monsters from the id. We were yeah, talking yeah. about uh, Forbidden Planet and how the, that dark side of human consciousness may be, maybe it's just a natural, you know, uh, it goes Carl Jung that uh, talked about the different archetypes. And one was the trickster. And that's prevalent in Native American mm -hmm. beliefs and, and just any, all, all cultures. And it's probably just a part of us, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's underhanded sneaky aliens messing with us right. necessarily you I'd know like to not that doesn't think make sense yeah, yeah i know well a trickster has been referred to as satan for god's sake oh I mean, sure i mean that's been referred to in catholicism they call they they it's another nickname for the devil for the satan. deceiver right the, yeah, trickster. the, deceiver, the trickster right. you know um so it does cover all i mean that's really a very broad term uh across all these things i didn't mean to cut you off man but i just no that, that's fine that. i uh i i don't that's the one, one thing that uh it goes hand in hand with the the absurdity, uh, the uh, the case of uh, Joe Symington mm -hmm. and the and the cosmic pancakes. You guys probably have what? heard of that one. No, uh, please tell. Okay, e Eagle River, Wisconsin, yeah. nineteen sixty, I believe. Joe Symington is a 
uh, let's see, I think he was a plumber by trade. Uh, currently, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's 60-ish. I can relate to that. Uh, he is a chicken farmer, and he's minding his own business, and he hears this horrible noise, kind of like wheels squealing on a pavement or something, and he sees this sort of a, a classic saucer-shaped object out in his, uh, on his farm. Mm-hmm. And he goes, walks up to it, and there's a, a door open, there's some people in there that look pretty normal, pretty, yeah. pretty non-threatening. And uh, uh, the, uh, uh, one of the, they're, they're dressed, dressed in kind of coveralls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they Wait, hand the, him, the inhabitants of this machine. Yes, yes, the inhabitants. Okay, uh, right. And uh, they hand him a, it's kind of a silver chalice or something like that and make uh, emotions, not tele- telepathic, that they want water in this. So Joe goes to his pump, puts water in it, and bring you know, now think for before we get into the really weird stuff, if these are aliens, okay, what what the hell's gone wrong with their plumbing system where they have to get <laughs> right? some poor earth sap get to give them water? Okay. <laughs> so there's that then he looks behind him and they're making these like like pancakes or cookies or something on a flameless grill behind. Okay, them. so they got like a griddle and going back they, there. Yep, and All it's right. not 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 very big. Oh, they got two okay. guys in here, and you see Amber's. You see you're talking to Amber's language here. She's you see the excitement. <laughs> I in her want face. this to pull up in my backyard. <laughs> well, where's where's the closest IHOP, man? Maybe we should go. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, let's go get some snacks. So he they give him three of these pancakes, kind of in exchange for getting what, the water. What? Yep. Yep. Really? Now this is this goes back to. The food from fairyland. I mean, there are so many motifs of the of the fairies and the elementals yeah. and all this stuff in this. So he takes those. They take off. He goes to the local judge there. The local judge. Everybody, even even Dr. J. Allen Hynek, before he became one of the good guys, he's still associated with Blue Book. They come down there to check out a story. They believe this guy believes this happened to him. Mm-hmm. The judge. Now the judge is asking him questions. He says, Joe. What do they look like? Uh, did they look like little green men? And he says, no, they were kind of swarthy looking. They looked like Italians. Oh. Okay, now, segue here. John Keel uncovered a really strange uh, press conference in 1948 by General, oh, come on, what's his name? It'll come to me. A uh, famous World War II general. And uh, the guy, in his, in his press conference, he says, there's no truth to the rumor that Spaniards are driving flying saucers. John Keel had found that there had been reports of people seeing these. Now, this kind of segues into the Man in Black stuff. A lot of the Men in Black were described as kind of, in quotes, foreign types, mm. sort of yeah. uh, uh, dark, in quotes, dark Mediterranean types, all right? So this all kind of segues. So... Now, I don't think Spaniards and Italians have some kind of a secret space program. I don't right, think that explains yeah. it either, okay? Yeah. Now, the, so, but, but there's a strange uh, uh, connection between, you know, with, with a similarity in reports on some of the inhabitants of these, these craft or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, for some unknown reason, the Air Force takes these pancakes and it takes taxpayers' money and examines them, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Well, why not? Well, why not? I mean, yeah, totally. Did anyone eat one? Well, uh, yes. Uh, Joe t- said it tasted terrible, like cardboard. Aww. Oh, that's too bad. You know, he gives him good, good fresh water, and he gets, uh, you know. He, Crap cakes. He probably just Crap went out cakes. to the. <laughs> yeah. So they analyzed them, uh-huh. and they're exactly like normal human pancakes, except they're missing one element. Salt? Okay. What is it missing? What is it missing? You said, what did you say? Salt. Okay, what's harmful to the fairies? Salt. 
salt. Really? There's no salt in there. Uh, Evans Wentz, who was a, uh, a, wrote a book about 1911 called The uh, Fairy Faith of Celtic Countries. Yeah. Uh, he went around asking, talking to people one-on-one about their experiences with the elementals, okay? He was told the fairies take fresh meat, pure water, and never take salt. So isn't that strange? You've got these, uh, these, these guys were only about five feet tall, you know, these swarthy Italians, and there's no salt in the pancakes. Now, if you go further to the, the parallels between the, I, I don't like to use the term fairy, but the elementals, because yeah. that covers <clears throat> all of them, leprechauns and right. uh, yeah, yeah. pixies and yep. gnomes and, you know, God knows what else. Giants even, because some of them were, were yep. big, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at uh, some classic stuff in, in modern-day UFO experiences, all right, perilous. Uh, sometimes the UFO pilots would have some kind of a wand-like object. So did the fairies. People would become paralyzed. Uh, missing time. We we're very familiar with missing time oh, yeah. Yeah. in modern day UFO experiences. Well, in the old days, rather than being put on a slab or whatever, they'd be whisked away to the underground kingdom of the fairies or mm. maybe inside a mountain, which parallels a little bit with all the beliefs in secret UFO bases underground. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Sometimes if you look at the descriptions of some of the uh, UFO pilots, especially back in the old days, they looked exactly like the elementals. If you took away their little red cap and green suit and gave them a little right. silver suit and a space helmet, right. they look identical. Uh, there's all kinds of similarities between at least some modern-day UFO experiences and the classic folklore. Well, I couldn't help but think when you said salt, like think about protect. You know, you're protected by a circle of salt. Exactly. You know, keep the evil out. Ah. And that's something that they. The fairies didn't like at all. There's another another thing uh, in the uh, the basic uh, uh, people. Most people, I, I assume, most people know about Betty and Barney Hill. That they, oh yeah, they're the couple that was taken in 1961. It was uh, it was back in those days. Even Look Magazine would publish this stuff, and they went under regressive hypnosis. And they told it's not identical, but essentially the same story. And uh, there was an element in there that's almost like one of the old fairy stories dusted off and reconstituted. Yeah. They were, Betty Hill was, saw this book that they had there. It had strange writing and it had strange photographs. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wanted to take it with her because that would be her proof. So the one she called the leader said, yes, you can take that with you. But as she's about to leave, they said, he said, you know, the others object. You can't take that with you. And she's so upset. You could hear it on the original tapes. Yeah. Well, you look at the old stories in fairy lore. It's uh, either the person sees something of, of, of great value. They try to st- steal out of there. Mm-hmm. And if they, either they get caught or they take it out and it turns into a snake or something like that. I mean, it's like the old fairy story. Yeah, the old it sto- off yeah. and redone again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't take anything with you. It reminds well, me of well, Pan's well, Labyrinth. When yeah, she's at idea. the dinner table and yeah, she, d- you know, don't eat anything and takes it, then that thing comes alive. Mm, yeah, don't take anything. Yeah. What? Why salt, though? I know I'm asking probably a ridiculous question, but I, but it has me. I, I I'll be totally honest. I've never really studied elementals t- that much before or fairies. So why salt? Because one of you guys may be able to give me some insight into that. No, I can't. I, I don't know except that it's. <laughs> it's uh, we can. Uh, well, we anyway, can, we that? can go back and re, you know do some research and report back. Fine but weather, I don't know. Fine weather we had today. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, that that killed that conversation. Yep. Nope. So, uh, so yeah, how, I don't know. So back to Betty and Barney Hill. How's your trip me. up from Florida? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, um, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I've been hearing that, and I have heard that before, and I'm just wondering why. I wonder what, I mean, it's obviously okay, an that's, element. That's well, my well even with, with vampires, you, uh, you, garlic. You, you, you put the steak through, you cut their head off, and you pour salt in their mouth. Uh, garlic, yeah. Or garlic. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Let's ponder it, on this for a second. I don't know. If it's an Italian vampire, they might actually enjoy it. Wait, Garlic. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna Google what, what you guys are talking. I'm googling. You're gonna try to actually figure this thing yeah, out. Yeah, I'm googling. I'm googling. You have, Steve. You've had some experiences. You've seen a, a handful. I mean, I know. I know you've seen a couple of UFOs yourself, right? Uh, well, uh, nothing earth-shattering. Nothing definitive. But okay, I'm glad you you, you mentioned it in that light because I do want. If you don't mind, I'd like to hear about one of these experiences. Okay. You, I mean, I'm not trying to put you on no, the spot. No, not at all. Um, uh, tell me, because I want to talk about, we, you know, this doesn't benefit us as doing a show, but we, we love talking about our experience. And I want to just hear what yours, your, you know, in some, whatever, whatever you want to okay, tell sure. me, right? Because I want to I want to see if there's any lines we can draw. Okay. I'll tell you about my maybe UFO experience, and then I'll tell you about my possessed television set experience, because I, okay. I really don't have much much going on. But no, uh, cool. I got a pair of third-generation night vision goggles, and I took them out uh, the first night yeah. that I really used them. Mm-hmm. It was in April, and uh, I got freaked out at first, because if you look at birds up in the air in the distance, mm-hmm. uh, flying at night, uh, they look like little pinpoints of light. So you think, oh, they're UFO. Oh, wait a minute, those are birds. It's okay. a bird, yeah, yeah. But one point, now you have to be careful with these things, and I was told not to look directly at a full moon with them or obviously street lights. Blow your or, eyes out. Well, yeah. not, not just that. It could actually uh, destroy the optics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They talk about so, it too. That's why you can't point, uh, even cameras, right. you shouldn't point them at the sun or anything like oh, that. Oh, right, you'll just, you'll, right. You'll wreck them, yeah. So I, I'm looking through this, and I see this perfect V. Now, not like, you know, your birds fly in a V. Mm-hmm. This thing is a perfect V, not a triangle. But it's a, a, a just a perfectly symmetrical. It looks like the number of dots are perfectly the same. Mm-hmm. But it's heading toward the moon, and I can't watch it for very long. And my jaws drop open, and I I just can't determine if this is real or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this is a an, uh, an anomaly or if these birds just happen to fly in this perfectly straight line yeah, for yeah. A, a, a short period of time. Well, you, and it seems like you, I mean, not to cut you off, but I mean going on this thing with these night vision goggles, I mean, you might have some light refraction too. And I mean, that's something I'm sure you're looking at though too in that situation because uh, it seems like those those lights would maybe blend. Like, you know, you might have some type of blur depending on your eyes too. Right. Well, they, well you said you saw... Well, these, these, are, these are very very defined. Very defined. Yeah, yeah right. I looked through them. Steve brought them to the UFO con. Okay. And I looked through them and everything is crystal clear. It's crystal right. clear. Yeah. All right, cool. And you, right. you see all kinds of stuff you don't yeah. see with the naked it's nuts. eyes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so I, I just wasn't able to watch it long enough. It just killed me to, to be to determine whether or not it was. Uh, and it's even if it was real, it could have been some kind of a military thing that I wasn't, you know, that was just well, yeah, yeah, invisible to the naked eye. Okay. Uh, I I've had a, a an experience with a television set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. This goes back to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I'm out in the TNT area. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to go out there alone to see if I have the stones to do this, mm-hmm. right? So my buddies had gone home, and I, I go out yeah. to, to Potter's Creek Road, Igloo Road. Now, the igloos are the old concrete bunkers where they used to store the ammunition. Yeah, we were in those. We've yeah. seen those. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. People go in there and get EVPs and see shadow people and stuff. I don't see crap. All so right. It's a very interesting area. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean yeah. Any, I mean, 
of course it does look a bit creepy because it's totally overgrown. I mean, it's it's not been it's been neglected because it just isn't an active area anymore, right? right? So, I mean, it does have that creeper element to it, but it's a fascinating place to uh, go to check wait, out. Wait, random question: Who owns that land? It is uh, a lot of it is state land. Oh, okay. And but okay. some of the igloos have been sold to private interests where they can actually store. Oh, p- some stuff of them are there, functional still, including the one that blew up a few years ago. I don't uh, know what they had stored in there, but man, it, there was it, an it, explosion. Oh yeah, one of them blew its top off and the iron door is out. And uh, we went down there. That's that's the same night, the same Whoa. week week after we, we we had gone down there to take a look at it. Yeah. And it was that night that I went in there alone to see if I could do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do that. I go. I, I you know I'm. I've got my uh, camera going. I got my. Uh, I didn't have my night vision goggles at that time. I got yeah. my digital recorder. I look like a real paranormal, yeah. uh, freaking investigator. <laughs> yeah. All right. right. And I'm. I'm. You know, if I had a mirror to look at, I'd be so. You know, just right. blown away. Okay. <laughs> so I, I. I get back in the car and I. I'm heading back, and I'm going down Route 62. Yeah. The same same path that the scarberries and the mallets uh, took when they were flying away from or running away from the Mothman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a couple flashes of light, like a strobe flash and then another flash. And I couldn't determine where it came from. And uh, now I did, I did everything wrong. And my excuse was, this stuff doesn't happen to me. So I didn't, didn't note where it was in the road, where I could come back the next day and check it out to see if I could determine what this was. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, that's weird. So I get back to my motel, which is across the river because uh, it's in Ohio. Yeah, because Galliopolis. Is that your Galapolis? Galapolis. Galapolis. Some a couple young ladies trinely trained me how to properly say Galapolis. Yeah. Okay. So it's Gap. Gallopolis. Gallopolis. Uh, uh, a guy I know calls it Gallopostophilus, which sounds like a lovable sesame yeah, street yeah, character. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I walk into my motel room, I open it up, and the TV set is turning on. You can see it's coming up, and then it's it's flipping through channels steadily. Is it an old tube uh, TV still? An old old standalone, you know, kind of TV set. And I think, holy crap, okay, this does not happen to me. I checked the time to see if I've had any missing time. And I don't think I did, but now thinking back, I'm not sure. But again, did I make a note about the time? No, I didn't Mm -hmm. do anything I should have done. So... What I did as an intrepid paranormal investigator, I unplugged the damn TV set and went to bed, okay? All I could think of was the end of uh, Poltergeist, you know, where they've shoved the TV yeah. set out. It was a, it was a motel. <laughs> shove it like outside the motel, yeah. The, but yeah. I, so that was, I mean, that was so <laughs> out of character yeah. for me to experience anything like that. Yeah. And then the next year, where uh, I'm, I'm crammed in there with John and Tim Frick. These are the guys that fly the Mothman and portray the Men in Black. At, oh, yeah, we know Fly them. the Mothman at night yeah. and play, portray the Men in Black by day at the Mothman Festival. Okay. Mm-hmm. Almost a, exactly a year later, we're in the room next door to that one, and we're talking that night. We're crammed, saving money, right? We're all crammed in the same room, and the TV set turns on by itself. So that night and the next day, we're doing everything we can with the remote through walls and seeing if maybe it's a stray signal. Yeah, yeah, another remote. The next day, Tim and I came in first because we're regrouping or something. The TV set turns on and flips through a couple channels and then stops. It's these, all these old-style TVs. Okay. And these had remote controls? Or yes, They yes. were remote control. Right. Okay. Now, uh, a couple years ago, and this is all in the same corner of the motel. The next room down, which is bigger, two, some of our friends, two couples were in this one. They had a newer TV, and they're having trouble with the volume because it keeps going down, so they keep cranking up the volume so they can hear it. And then all of a sudden it blasts, and they have to turn it down again. Yeah. 
So they're doing that a few times. And then all of a sudden, a, a can of pop flies off the, or falls off the table. So you got like poltergeist so, stuff going on. So it's like on. all in this one corner of the motel. Now, I'm, I, my theory is that I brought something back with me that right. night. But he's still there flipping channels. He didn't come home with me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have, you know, again, that's that's my... But what, I mean, I, I want to dive into this. What could have you... I mean, and look, if we don't have any answers, that's fine. Um, what could have you brought back that night, though? Well, it's a it was a Native American burial ground years ago. You didn't take uh, anything, though, did you? You didn't do anything to disrespect the place. Oh, I'm not saying no. this is the only reason you think you can do no, either, no. but... Well, I mean, let me tell you. I mean, I... I, I uh, Rosemary yeah. Ellen Guiley, who's who's sensitive, she yeah. interviewed me on it, and she just said, she said, I, I just have a sense that something uh, came to your attention, to, uh, or, or something, uh, something came to you know my, yeah, whatever, yeah, your somebody, attention, somebody, <laughs> something, something noticed noticed you. me, and uh, I didn't notice them, and they may have come back with me. And I, I might have even, I, I might have even had missing time. I was so bad at, at, at keeping track of the, uh, you know, what was going on. I so. think that's normal, though. Yeah. I think a lot of people get well, into I, that situation. I hope that if, if I ever have another strange yeah. experience, I'm a little smarter about keeping track. You of need happened. a stop with like the episode of uh, X Files where Mulder checks his missing time and he starts a stopwatch or does something to kind of, you know, corroborate well, yeah, that there was something. something the mark, yeah, it'll be do, something the mark, mark time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, I don't, I've talked to many people uh, about the same thing, and that happens with a lot of people. I think when you finally get put in a situation like that, your mind spins up to a million miles an hour, and you're in the moment. You're just in the moment, right? And I, I mean, this goes back to the thing I keep saying, though, to people about studying the paranormal now. I know I've gotten to a point now especially where you know i do want to document things i do want to, i would like to get some type of evidence but there's a lot of times when we for the little bit of research like field work we do do these days um a lot of times i just go somewhere and i may have a hand recorder right. to record with i don't really take pictures anymore i if i'm going to experience something i'm just going to experience something i'm not concerned with you know providing an artifact anymore it's more about just, you know, if something's going to happen, I want to experience it. And then I can relay that like we're, like what you're doing right now, Steve. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really it's all about. I'm not, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think, you know. Well, coming back of, with that great EVP or something like well, that. Well, yeah, I know. Awesome. An artifact of something is fantastic and it's very exciting. We've got a handful of things over the years and it's very exciting. Um, you know, but it's an artifact. It's as simple as that. Uh the thing is, is just, you know, you can't, you'll never forget to experience something. You know, is, right. does that make sense? Yeah. Your body and mind will never forget to experience something and be in the moment. Your body and mind can forget to grab the stopwatch. Your body and mind can forget to turn the recorder on. Your body and mind can forget to start snapping photos, right? Oh, sure. But your body and mind will never forget to be in the moment and experience something, right? That's why I say, look... I know people have different goals. People's goals are to get a picture of something, to get some audio of something, to get some type of artifact. That's great. We'll be on the game. <laughs> I'm not. You know what I mean? Right. So going with what you're saying, I think it's fantastic. That's okay, man. It's all right. Um, you experience something. Right. That's what's you know, important and that, and that, to me. And it stands out. I mean, people get, uh, I tell people the same thing because I. Yeah. that's about all. I've got maybe uh, another another little experience and that's about it. But that's, yeah. uh, people can, some people can list off a whole series of, uh, 
of uh, oh, yeah. events, you know, seeing cryptids and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, totally. I mean, and, you know, I mean, again, that is the weak point because they're stories. You know, and I mean, I think I'm, I would never question the integrity of anybody in this room here. I know everything that's being said here is stuff that, you know, we perceive to be what we've seen. This is what we've seen. This is what we experienced. You know, going back, routing over into that, I mean, we've talked about the UFO that we saw with with our beloved Tom. Uh, what was that? How many years ago now, Amber? 2008. 2008. So 10 years ago now. Right around this time of the year, too. I, I, we'd have to look it back. Was and and I, I it was November. I remember that uh, show now that you mentioned it yeah. clearly when you guys are, yeah. were talking about it. You know, oh. go, ghost hunters finding uh, UFOs, you know. Right. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah, even finding. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't even looking. No, we weren't even looking for right. it. We were know? just, we were just like I said, we had a bite to eat. We came back to the house. Amber and Tom were having a cigar. You guys were you guys were, we're on outside the on the on the you deck on the patio just chilling out you know having a cigar chilling relaxing and I was watching Police Academy I was laying <laughs> on the couch being lazy watching TV and that's that's what it was the last thing that was on our minds no, just looked up and was like oh, I yeah, think that's a helicopter I don't know what that is and then it starts doing impossible maneuvers and I'm like nah yeah so we weren't even looking what? for it it's just something that happened right and that's where you know that's when it all always happens well yeah um. We we were in the you know, while we were in the moment, Tom and his brilliance uh, did have the mindset to grab the camera and and, and set up videos and get super something quick. get something going. He he was ready for this. Did did something record? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you got you. us. You know, basically step by step talking about what we're seeing. Right. Well, and th- then we have a blurry blue right blob that's kind of zipping through that. We yeah. could see better with their own eyes, but the camera couldn't pick up. And so I have a new appreciation, I always say to people. That's what that, we both say to people. Cause, yeah, yeah, we, we used to. Blurry we, blue blob yeah. photo, that's about as good as you're going to get. We would scoff at some of these yeah, UFO videos. Nothing. We're like, oh, look at some, another person, another person in the middle of the woods freaking yeah, out, right? taking a picture nope. of some light in the sky. And then we were those people. Yeah. Now I believe them. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine, Brian Seach, who uh, runs the Center for Unexplained Events out in Pennsylvania, uh, He's out. It was out in an area, uh, a a Bigfoot area where people had seen it and, and heard screams and that sort of thing. Remote area. Yeah. So they're out on a Bigfoot hunt, right? Well, he looks up and he sees this strange meandering light in the sky. Like, holy crap! It's a UFO. And then it it does some strange maneuvers, disappears, reappears somewhere else, and continues some more maneuvers. Yeah. So you go out look for a Bigfoot, you get a UFO. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's yep. a th- but that goes connections. Back, well, that, again, the glue we we're talking about. Yep. But you got to be paying attention. I mean, I, I'll 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 roll back to that. I mean, I think it's great that some people want to just focus on one thing and put their blinders on and just focus on spirit photography, for example. Like I said before, um, but I think if you're opened up, and I, that's what I hear from people. I've been hearing from people for years. They're like, open your senses up. Open yourself to anything that may be around you because you don't know what you might experience. And I think that really is. I mean, I do. I'm going to stay on the side of that. That's where I'm at, I think, because if you're not, there's been little things that have happened to me, little subtleties, all types of little things that have happened over my life that I've, I've gone as far as just to friggin' write down and acknowledge them. And to me, there's something peculiar. I know to other people, they may be like, well, no, it's just, you know, it's just something that just happened. I'm like, well, there, but you don't know all the things that happened, you know, that I observed though. You're not looking through my eyes. So I'm observing all this stuff happening and I'm seeing all these intricacies that are happening within um, a timeline, right? Um, 
and that's because I mean, again, I am as psychic as this coffee cup. But <laughs> yeah, we're the same boat. Yeah, uh, but I do try to observe, and I am trying to understand and learn about things around me that may be out of sorts, that may be anomalous, right? And I think the big thing of that, this whole run is just that, like um, paying attention. Not being, not even being sensitive. I think, like as I, you know, I'm as sensitive as this coffee mug, but I think I am paying attention mm-hmm. at everything around me. Um, I am looking in the sky. I am looking in front of me. I'm looking below too. I'm always looking at things, trying to see, you know. And it's not like I'm out every day, but it's just like it's something you're conscious of. You're aware of things. You're aware of weirdness. You're aware of, you know. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences anymore because of something that I'm talking about where I was paying attention, right? So that just keeps going back to this idea. We visited this idea a couple times now about looking for everything and maybe just not looking for one thing. I think that's right. important. I, I think a lot of people may may even lose sight of that too. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things where I, as I said, you're free to do what you want. If you want to just shoot pictures, that's great. But I think, you know, what if you shoot a picture of what you think you may be getting a ghost on there and, oh, look, that's a Sasquatch. Well, fuck that picture. I don't want to look at that. I want to see a ghost in there. Because I don't believe in Sasquatch. (laughs) That's a ridiculous idea. And I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't think I know anybody who, if that happened to them, where they would go, well, that's not what I'm into. I'm going to delete this picture now. Well, no, because belief plays such a prevalent part in all this. A lot of people, if they don't believe something, they shut it down. They don't see it. And I, you do still see that, and especially the people that are more on a religious standpoint when it comes to the paranormal. If yeah. they're from one perspective, like, you know, this is all Jesus and the devil and God, and so blah, 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 blah. I, you know, I don't know. You do see sometimes people shutting out certain aspects based on belief. Well, I'm curious to know about that with you too, Steve. I mean, and, I mean, I, it's a question. If you're not comfortable, tell me to shut my mouth. I'm totally cool with that. Just I'll, kick be, I'll be more polite, but go ahead. <laughs> well, no. I know one of the things that I've discussed with people in person on this show is, you know, and you've got way more years in this than I do. I'm wondering, like, because I know I've always said I started out when I was like, you know, out in the field in places looking to shoot pictures of ghosts and get EVPs and whatnot, um, where I was a believer. Like, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm heavy on the believe thing. And over a number of years... I got up what I would call the skeptical route, right? Where I'm still, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to hear what people have to say. And, and in defense on that, I mean, I'm still in that area. However, I know I've leaned into what I would refer to as even a slight cynical route. I mean, you hear a lot of things, right? And I know it's not cool. I, I, I am not proud of that. I'm trying to just, you know, I think I'm better now because I do like to think that I, you know, I, I am when I'm, Visually, you guys aren't seeing this in radio land, but, uh, you know, I am at 12 o'clock. I am, I'm, a, I'm an open-minded skeptic about a lot of things. I want to understand That's the healthy, mechanics though. of it. It's very healthy, I think. But there have been times. I'm, the reason I'm saying all this, I'm wondering, you know, how you feel about that. Where, I mean, with all these years you have, I mean, how do you approach this stuff now? I mean... Well, that's a good you, question. Because you have, I mean, you have a lot more experience. You, I mean, and again, well, you can draw more I, lines than I, I can. Well, well, you've got more field experience than I do. I guarantee you, everybody here has got more field experience. Really? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, got, I'm a research guy. I don't, I haven't, uh, I haven't been out uh, in, you know, 
I, I hate the term boots on the ground, but that's what I'm talking about. Oh, we need yeah. a new expression for that. <laughs> but, but I haven't, you know, done a, a lot of uh, it, real investigations, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I'm more the guy that uh, has been, uh, you know, fascinated by this for years and done a lot of uh, research and, and thinking and, and trying to put the, the lines together. So, you know, let's keep that in perspective. Yeah, here. that's fine. Uh, but... Uh, uh, it's, I guess I guess I am in a continual state of sort of uh, suspending, uh, willing suspension of disbelief, you know, like like when you're reading a novel. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that. I, I'm I'm kind of just this, this floating zone of uh, because I will uh, I will entertain all kinds of bizarre notions, even though it's really out there stuff. You know. Yeah. yeah. Because some of that is probably going to be legitimate. So uh, I guess I'm in a uh, – there are, there are a few things I reject out of hand, mm-hmm. and there's a few things I accept because of whatever my personal beliefs and experiences and so mm. forth. Yeah. Uh, but I have this huge middle ground of suspend judgment, this huge suspend judgment file with little fringes on the end where I'm certain either way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of fun that way because that way I can – uh, get into the really fringe stuff, the contactees, yeah. you know, then the contactees for those that may not know are the, are the ones in the mostly fifties and sixties that, uh, uh, their contacts were always with the beautiful space brothers. Aww. And usually they were from planets within <laughs> our own solar system, the, the long haired Venusians yeah. and, the, and the messages of peace. And man, there's a part of me that loves that stuff. And I will suspend my <laughs> disbelief right? and read stories of George Gamsky and Orfeo Angelusi and so forth. Yeah. Uh, which, which brings to mind something else, another connection between uh, folklore and modern-day UFO experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne Jeffries, 1600s. She had wonderful encounters with the fairies, with the little people, but she didn't go anywhere. She would go into these trances and, and be bedridden, and for, for hours she would be in this state, and she'd come back and talk about all these detailed experiences she had with the fairies. Yeah. Orfeo Angelusi was one of these uh, contactees, sort of a poor man's George Adamski, probably but he uh, i forget his, his space brothers were i don't know from mercury or something i can't remember yeah but he would the same thing would happen he would go into these long trances and his experiences weren't with the fairies and the little people in their underground kingdom they were with the beautiful space brothers so the same phenomena the same state of mind perhaps yeah but different experiences okay perhaps well, the same experience and isn't that interesting too how you how you mentioned in the past with the 50s the messages of peace and love, and then we look at aliens now, and it's like destruction. Well, there and, are, are still some of that. There's, I mean, yeah, and well, but I think, I think also, I guess I'm referring to like our how we depict them in pop culture with movies, like we think about Independence Day and all this oh, stuff, yeah. and everything's well, just doom and gloom with aliens, apocalyptic alien, except for like Contact or maybe Interstellar. But is is Interstellar aliens? I don't know. No, I don't. Well, no, they're not. It really isn't about aliens. It's like it's, it's about it's about gravity and different it's about time travel, time. which is a whole different thing. I think what, yeah, I mean, film, of course, there always has to be an arc. So you're gonna. That's why you're gonna hear. You're you know you're gonna have the opposition, which a lot of times are the people from the sky. Uh, the one thing I keep hearing, and I mean, this has been from you know videos I've watched and things I've read. Uh, a lot of what I hear now is the same. It's the same motif of. Okay, we're here seeing you because you guys are really screwing up here. 
You you built these atom bombs. You're doing. You have you have you have the means to destroy this entire. Not to tr- not just you know. We need to clarify that though too. Not to destroy the planet because you can't destroy the planet. There's there's very few things I think that can destroy our planet Earth. Maybe another planet could destroy it. I mean, maybe a bigger planet. If somehow it collided, that may destroy what we know as this planet. But what we what we what the things I see I've read and and and. I'm back. Okay, here I am. Um, the things that I've seen and experienced, it's been, and I mean more contemporary, is this idea of you have the means to destroy your life. Your, you, you know, your species can be wiped off the planet of this, the wiped off the face of this planet. Again, the planet will still be here. People always say that, you know, the idea of saving the planet. I'm like, the right. planet's going nowhere. George Carlin was right about that 16, 17 years ago, and he's still right about it. We're going, the planet's going nowhere. We, however, have the means to wipe ourselves out. And that's what I keep hearing from people, abductees. The, the, people, the messages. The message the, the message is consistent. Um, and these are different people. I'm not right. saying this is, this is what it's all about. But, and, I mean, a lot of people we had on the show in the past, this is just, you know, over the last 15, 16, you know, 15, oh, sure. 15 to 18 years, um, it's been the same thing. Like, look, you guys, you're really screwing up here. You really need to get it together. And, you know, get over all these stupid ideas you guys have of, of conquering each other. You know, all these things. World peace. That's the kind of the idea, I guess. Which, you know, I don't know. Is that is that similar to how it was in the days of old? I well, well I, that, that's, that's interesting. The, uh, there's a couple things about the messages from whether it be the Space Brothers or the, the Greys or, or whatever. And... Uh, it could be that if we're, again, if we get back to the realm of consciousness, and if we are producing some of this, it may be like our own self-preservation. It's like we know we're screwing things up. We know we could blow up the planet. So these archetypes, these images come back to us and say, stop messing up the planet. But another thing is that a lot of, while you do get some of that, you also get a lot of predictions that don't come true. You get, I, I tell people, be real careful about believing the messages from any other intelligence yeah. you know uh because a lot of it is crap so uh you know i think these sometimes these uh i agree the aliens will tell you whatever you th- they think they want you to hear and they have their own agenda what, whatever they are i don't know what they are for well, i mean sure. i mean years ago we had what we and it's it's i think we actually have it on one of the newer archives it was what what was called the snowball intercept message um and this is and this is nothing nothing against Clyde Lewis. Clyde Lewis is a is a, another one of my one of my idols, honestly. Uh, Ground Zero Radio, one of the, to me one of the best guys you know in paranormal radio as far as with the stuff we do, uh, just from a presentation standpoint and the and, and the content that he has. Um, so what I'm going to say about this, um, anybody who's listened to the show in the past, we were I was listening to the Ground Zero one Sunday night because we would do our show years ago and then after after our show was ground zero so i'd be kind of getting my work done and listening to you know clyde lewis talk one night they were talking about the snowball intercept message and it was this interference on a ham radio that somebody somebody was able to record and it basically was saying and you know i'd have to look back at the date and whatnot but it was a date like two weeks ahead and it said you know basically it said you know what they what they what they uh, translated was a comet was going to hit the Earth on this day. So Doug and I were like, "Whoa, <laughs> where?" <laughs> and it was like t- it was like it was like a Sunday when we did our show. I'm like, "Oh shit! Well, what are we going to do for that show? <laughs> if we all going to die from a comet?" Um, 
My, my theory is that if a comet strikes, it's going to hit Inkster. <laughs> Sorry, Inkster. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, in short form, you know, and this is, I mean, Clyde's the man, and it was just something that he reported on, uh, and we reported on, too. We talked, we, I think we had him on and talked about this thing. Um, nothing happened. I remember going to do the show that day when we did it at the old studio, and um, I remember that day in particular. It was a cold day because it was around, it was like, I think it may have been November, December, so it was cold out, but the sun was out, the air was nice and brisk. It was just a generally pleasant day. It looked really nice. And I just remember that in particular because I'm like, well, we were, I thought we were all supposed to die today. You know, it kind of goes back to the old Fight Club thing, like when somebody faces death, um, the next morning their breakfast will taste better, their day will be better because, you know, they've faced death now. Everything is better than that, right? So that's kind of how I felt about that, though, too. Going back, though, you know, and it was translated, too, but it was malarkey. I, I mean, I don't want to go too far to insult it like that, but it was nothing. That's nothing like happened. the whole year of 2012. Well, it's not, nothing happened, man. That brings me back to John Keel. John yeah. Keel talks about that great phonograph in the sky. The same message is being repeated over and over again. If you go back a couple hundred years ago, you get other people that are pretty much like contactees that believe they were in contact with these uh, entities. You get the same kind of predictions of doom and gloom or, or whatever. And the person getting it in the present time yeah. think they're the first one to get this, this no, message. No, 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 but no. It's, and then uh, John Keel, there was a group of people he called the silent contactees. And these were people that he stumbled on in his research that that firmly believed they were in contact with some other intelligence yeah. and maybe were given predictions or some kind of a quest or whatever, but they didn't give a rat's ass about anybody believing them, so they didn't write a book or say, hey, I'm in contact with the Space Brothers. But they would get predictions, and sometimes the predictions would come true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the big one, after they got built up, would not come true. They'd be on the, yeah. on the mountaintop waiting for the, the UFOs to come down, and they were abandoned. There was a woman in, uh, I think he said Brooklyn, that was given a, a quest to find some kind of a mysterious crucifix. Of course, there was nothing to it. But as time went on, and this, this is the buildup to uh, people that know about the story of the Mothman prophecies that kind of ended with the collapse, uh, most of it ended with the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Yeah, the bridge. Between Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Gallopolis, Ohio. That was uh, December uh, 15th, 1967, 13 months to the day that the two couples were chased down Route 62 when they first saw the Mothman at the old power plant yeah. down out there. Yeah. And, uh, but he started, they started getting these messages where they were all congregating. There was going to be some kind of a disaster on the Ohio River. He thought a, a, a factory might blow up. He didn't, it was very vague. And then it got more specific. It was December 15th. There was going to be this EM effect, whatever that was. You know, it was, wasn't specific. And that there'd be several days of darkness all over the U.S. And by this time, Keel bought it because some of the predictions had come true about certain kinds of plane crashes, which were specific and came true. So here he is sitting in his, sitting in his New York apartment on December 15th. Yeah. And it's supposed to happen when President Johnson lights the Christmas tree lights in Rockefeller Center. And, of course, nothing happens. But within the next half hour, the blurb comes over the, uh, over the TV that the bridge has collapsed between Virginia and Ohio. Oh Something did happen. So what was this? The trickster? Was it an intentional deception? Mm. Was the message clear, but we couldn't process it? Yeah. What the heck? But the thing is, he, all these different contactees started getting the same message. Something was building. 
and there was this real sense of foreboding. Mary Heyer, the newspaper reporter that the journalist that Keel worked with mm-hmm. in Point Pleasant, yeah. was having these prophetic dreams about Christmas packages floating on the river, oh. and other other people oh, other people were having very foreboding premonitions and so forth. Oh, but man. it wasn't specific. If the Mothman was a harbinger, as some people think. We need a clear message, you know, so people can actually avoid disaster. Yeah, we're a little better. So, right, yeah. make it a little clearer. So, uh, it's but back back to the the theme you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. messages, whether they be from the space brothers channeling uh, some kind of uh, entity, elemental or whatever, uh, I caution people to be very careful about believing i mean these may be real experiences but be very careful about what you believe oh well, yeah don't sell your house yeah yeah well, we're going away so i'm just gonna well not sell your house i mean just don't make any life-altering decisions and i mean i've never done that there's been a lot of things and i paid attention i mean i had we had a we had a psychic years ago on that you know we we talked to and hung out with i think we she may have been on the show but she gave me lottery numbers she's Did like you play them yeah did you she, win? No, fuck no. I didn't win anything. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't gotta, even one number. Maybe we should go back and listen and play him again. Well, you know, what's maybe. interesting. Keel, maybe. Ooh, maybe. Ooh. Ooh. Some Ooh. of the predictions came through was yeah. uh, that, that Martin Luther King was going to be assassinated on a particular day. And he was frantic. He was trying to get through. And, of course, it didn't happen. But it happened exactly the way it was predicted exactly three months later. Well, I mean, so the timing's off. May, well, the, the timing's off. Right, well, timing's maybe. Off. And, okay. Whatever, wherever these messages are coming from, that, I mean, I would explain that simply as, look, you know, someone is still trying to fine-tune their mental antenna, and maybe the messages are coming through, but they're a bit garbled, so you're only getting pieces, or it's a bit, there's noise in that message, too. Uh, it's simply that. I, you know, I, it, well, I mean. It could be. I mean, you know, we, we get this, you know, and Axie was here last week, uh, and in the ill-fated show that we lost, that was one of the things I flat out told her. I'm like, you know, XC, with all respect to you, I don't have a really, you know, big, I mean, I, I, I can only be so nice about it. I'm like, I just, a lot of psychics I've met and talked to, they don't impress me, right? And I, I without hurting, you know, of course, XC, oh, right. XC's amazing. She's a, she's an awesome chick. So, uh, but we discussed that and, but however, on that idea, and the reason I said that was um, because, yeah, the accuracy isn't always there. Okay, and I know what a cold read is. I've studied it for a right. lot of years. I know what a cold read is. But I ha- she, there have been people I've talked to, even Exie herself too, said a few things to me that I was like, hmm. that, that was peculiar. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, however, I mean, it's, a, it's the same, I think it's the same thing. I mean, trying to break this down on a mechanical level. Um, if somebody is receiving messages from the other side, let's say, right? I don't think, I mean, going back to our brains being imperfect, right? Um, the one thing we've always talked about and made fun of, I mean, I can't meditate. My brain's too big. Kind of <laughs> There's too much too. noise in my brain. So now somebody, now some spirit wants to talk through me to somebody um, and, you know, there's like three Slayer songs playing at the same time in my head. Um, there's a hamster are, running over here. There's are you birds. talking about actually channeling or just getting a... Just, uh, I guess channeling something, but I'm well, just saying... Well, no, it, just it, calming your mind down. Right. Well, yeah, okay. any, that's what I'm saying. Or just calling... But let's just say if I want to channel something, though. That's what I'm saying. If, okay. I'm I, just I, saying hypothetically, if somebody, if some, some entity is standing behind me right now... Yeah. Let's just say we don't see it, of course, but or him or her. I don't know. I, I want to be 
I want to be, get the right pronouns here. I, I can but, see him, but he's not wearing any pants, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> oh, you got a creeper behind you. I got a you. creeper behind me. Um, let's say this entity, this spirit wants to talk through me and goes, let's see what kind of brain this this thing, this hairy thing sitting here has. <laughs> um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to look in my brain and go, oh my God, this is like a three-ring circus going on in here. Boy, this, this thing can't calm down. This, 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 I guess that's why I'm safe as this well. This dirty bag of water, this flesh farm here <laughs> is just is, is a complete mess inside. So um, how flesh do you come? Farm. But even the people who can calm their mind and act as you know, a channeler, a medium. Well, then what's the source, though? I, I, I caution people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people can do what they want, but I... Uh, it, it, channeling is interesting too because there yeah. are patterns, there are messages, similar messages that come through yeah. different channelers and different, different geographically and different uh, generations. You know, there's I've, I've I've done a little bit of well, a study. That's even another piece of what I'm saying though, because like we get these messages, like you said. Well, Martin Luther King was supposed. This person said on this date, this time, this way, blah blah blah. Didn't happen, but it happened three months later. Well, maybe the person just didn't hear something right in their brain. The, the messages are, are right. garbled. The message was garbled, right. Yeah, and mediums do the same thing. That I mean, this is for, I mean, this is a, in defense of, of mediums and people like that. Um, so um, sometimes I think, yeah, that's why you do get this vagueness sometimes, I think. I think, I think a lot of, uh, studying this stuff a bit more, I am getting to this point now in my beliefs where I think a lot of people that, that, that claim they are mediums, uh, or psychics or sensitives, whatever you want to call them, they they really do have some type of extra thing that I don't understand that I can't experience because my brain isn't wired that way, uh, and it may be just depending on each person because we're all different. Uh, they may have a varying degree of how the messages come through, and it is based on by bi- like you know biases such as your beliefs, who you are, where you came from, how you grew up. I mean the. the we could go all night just naming this listing stuff like that off. So the interpretation you have as the medium, as the channeler, yeah, the messenger is going to come out different depending on who the hell the person is, right? And I don't think there's, I don't think any medium would disagree with me on that, though. No, either, I don't too. think so. Uh, some of the similar messages that come through might be just that great photograph in the sky. It may not be objective truth. It might be just what you know, what whatever is is out there. Yeah. Uh, one one of the things was uh, I noticed in. Uh, you go back to, uh, are you guys familiar with Giant Rock, uh, California? Uh, George Van Tassel used to, uh, he actually, his, his house was under Giant Rock. It was this carved out area oh, God. where, and he would channel the Space Brothers, you know. Uh, then there was George Hunt Williamson. George Hunt Williamson was one of the supposed witnesses to the George Adamski contact of Orthon in the desert in 1951. And, uh, or maybe it was 53, something like that. Uh, and he st- started, uh, they started doing some channeling to contact the Space Brothers. And then they, you move a little bit forward and you get the, uh, are you familiar with the Law of One books, uh, Ra, like the Egyptian Ra, yeah, yeah, R-A. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Carla Rookhart was the channeler and Don okay. Elkins was the facilitator. Okay, well, all, all these sources, some of the information was similar. Like uh, one thing that keeps coming up is the good aliens come from the Pleiades. That's a constant thing. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The oh, bad ones totally. come from the Orion group. But it's not mm-hmm. just this one one, one uh, channeling area. Uh, there was a planet in between Jupiter and Mars called Maldek, which was destroyed somehow and became the asteroid belt. And I hit that again. It's okay, you're that right. was the asteroid belt <laughs> there. And so, anyway, it's just very interesting. I, I'm, I'm going through a lot of these supposed channeled sources because 
I, I just want to see what other patterns well, might yeah. be there. Yeah, and there's not. That's and, that's, uh, that's great. That's, and you know, Ashtar, Ashtar gets all kinds of FaceTime. You know, he's one of these entities that everybody has channeled. Uh, a, a friend of mine, a lady I know, her yeah. grandmother channeled Ashtar. Uh, Trevor James Constable, he was a guy back in the '50s that I don't know if you've ever seen his photographs. He was uh, photographing what he believed were amoebas and sky creatures in the sky with infrared photography. Well, he was in contact with Ashtar as well. Fascinating guy. He yeah, was a yeah. uh, uh, a World War II aviation historian, a real smart guy yeah. into the really fringe stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, just, I'm fascinated by channeling. I'm very, I don't think all channeling is created equal. I think some of it is probably nonsense. But then there's something, what was it, the Course in Miracles? Are you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, was also supposed to be channeled, yep, but that yep. seems to be at a very high vibration or whatever you want to right. call it. It's very similar to the, what they called the New Thought Movement back around the turn yes, of the last century. which is enjoying a comeback now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which came out about the same time as the uh, spiritualist yep. movement and theosophy yep. and the Fox Sisters and all that. Yep. So so I'm not, I'm not belittling channeling. I just am, am, am very cautious about... Uh, but some of the sources right. may be in some of the information. Yeah, and right either there. as either am I. I'll be, but I got to be honest though too. But I, you know, I also really am interested in this, as, as interested as you are in this too, to see. And that's why I'm like Ashtar. Maybe he's got a better rec- Maybe he's got a better radio to talk through than other people do. That's why well, everybody t- gets to talk he's got to a bigger Ashtar. antenna. Yeah. He gets. Uh, he was uh, was a lady who she called. I think she was Emma Terrell. Yeah, and I think she called herself. Tallulah or Tula or something like that. And uh, Timothy Green Beckley, who uh, publishes uh, Global Communications, he's got great, great stuff. Yeah. He's kind of publishes in the tradition, the old tradition of Gray Barker. Uh-huh. He published a lot of her stuff. Well, uh, she's, I think she's no longer with us, but a lot of her messages from Ashtar were very much sort of like a modern day, uh, sort of a new age rapture, where instead of, you know, one person being out in the field, the other one being taken, uh, when the end would come, you go out in your backyard and the UFO would come over and suck you up, you know? Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, that would be cool, you know, I, if I could uh, get my stuff together, you know, at the last minute and stuff I want to take with me. So I'd just give me some advance notice. But I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> well, they just suck you up. You won't even know it. It'd be, it'd be so quick. that. What, I'd be the guy to look down and go, oh, shit, no, and start screaming. They'd be like, this guy's too, he's an idiot. Leave him here. Well, so long as it doesn't end up like a Twilight Zone episode to serve man, and then you're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with that, and this idea of channeling, when you dive into it and try to get down to the nuts and bolts, um, you know, all the, it's such a complicated subject because I think a lot of this is a matter of translation too, uh, or a matter of how powerful the medium may be, how open they are, how, how relaxed they are, you know, how well, calm is their mind. Uh, Ruth Montgomery, who again is longer, longer with us. She wrote uh, books like, uh, aliens among us and things like that she was always talking about her guides and i remember a long time ago that there was going to be a big pole shift according to her guides in the 1990s yeah well fortunately that didn't happen so there's an awful lot of stuff that comes through that that these people really believe and they're sincere that doesn't come to fruition yeah yeah, now, yeah some yeah. people say well it was bogus to begin with other people say well because of uh the faith and the the belief of the individuals it somehow put off the disaster oh, okay. when when prophecy fails so to speak right. so you're creating a paradox then somehow right. with your with your with your faith right well it's an explanation as to why it didn't happen it's because you your the faith was there were enough good people there that that held it well, off that's just that you're just moving the target right 
And, that, that's, and that's the stuff that kind so of It wasn't convenient and didn't happen, so we have to come well, up with an that's excuse. That's just a moving target. It's, it, and that's what I'm saying. And that, and that you know, I don't want to go on a... I think that's what right, but it's yeah. like yeah. But, it, but that does get a little I've seen that over and over again oh, sure. it's like well no, this is I mean we've seen this with, with cults and all that fun stuff over and over again where they say well the end the end's coming on this date and we've we've all feverishly waited for that date because I don't care who you are man I, I'm the first one to go <laughs> yeah whatever dude but there's just a, a little bit in my mind it's like well, what if these are the ones that are right? Yes, yeah, someday one of them is going to be right. The maybe that are right, eventually, you know? right? Uh, and so you're always going to, you know, I'm always going to, I've always found myself on those certain days, like going to my parents' house. Yeah, okay, I'm just going to hang out here for a few hours. And I mean, well, hopefully it's when my pension runs out, and then then we can, <laughs> we can then we'll then we'll be good. But if I still got a pension, yeah. we we can put it off. Yeah, Steve. We've done nearly two hours here. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. We can. Hey, let's. Hey, it's your show, man. We can. Well, stop no. I mean, we can go all night, uh, but I, I just don't. I mean, I. I we can still talk post show, and we're we going can end to. this so the listeners have a reasonable amount of. Because we're gonna. Steve has to come back, either in would, person or Skype. I, I, however, I would, I would love to come back. We gotta do that. Steve yeah. is. The I, I have to tell no, you guys. Most I, fun ever. I have always wanted to be on ghostly talk oh my goodness <laughs> ever man. since i i don't want to get i don't want to get all emotional here but no, uh cool. since 2006 when i started listening i thought it's so cool that that kids from my neighborhood so to speak metro yeah. detroit yeah. Yeah. are doing this show uh by the seat of their pants and what's what's the uh what's the expression bailing wire and spit or some, spit right. and bailing wire or something like that and from what scott was telling me the other day about the way they put this thing together it was spit and bailing wire so it was back in the old days it really was it was it was a lot it of was stuff new I, I tell everyone scott was podcasting before podcasting was even well, a doug, thing doug doug was, doug doug, was, doug right. came up with that that doug idea before it was even a thing you know, that, that really i always like to put that that needs to be known because doug isn't here with us too much yeah nowadays you know and i want to bring something up also too because we just because of doug um for the people who do listen to the show and the people old and new listeners um i got a call yesterday from uh doug's friend joe our buddy joe uh doug's dad mr semig um he was diagnosed i don't know if i should uh, no he well it's let's just right. let's just say that mr semig is a, a, uh, doug's uh, doug's dad isn't doing too well right now so i did Think about that earlier. It's manageable today. for a bit, but it's not good news. No, it's not good news. Um, but so think about Doug. Yeah, I want your good thoughts about please, Doug because we'll have this show up in a couple of days, I yeah. think, or maybe hopefully sooner. Yeah. And I want everybody, please, people, you know, new new listeners and old listeners. Uh, Doug is always, you know, what what we're doing now with the show. We've always said that Doug's always here in spirit with us, you know, because he's got a, he's got a different way in life, you know, and that's cool, and we and we all know that, uh, but. You know, keep him, keep his dad in your thoughts. Mr. Semig, when we first started doing this show, we used to do this in, in Doug's parents' basement. Yeah. Yes, so, like the haunted yep. basement. The haunted that basement was the original. Was, 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 you know, at, at Doug's parents' house. And, you know, that's how I got to know Mr. and Mrs. Semig really well. And they're some amazing fucking people. Yeah. I, I love those people so much. I don't get to see them enough. Um, and Mr. Semig, uh, his dad, you know, Doug's dad, is a dynamite dude. I love the guy so much, and he's going through some shit now, and I'm really bummed about it. But guys, keep, please keep him in your thoughts. If you could. We will. And, and to bring this full circle, yeah. the first time I really talked to Doug was in 2007 mm-hmm. at Troy Taylor's Weird Winter event. Yeah. Wow. In a, in a very snowy winter. And the Weird Winter was where he invited several of the weird uh, authors, like weird, uh, Linda Godfrey, who oh, was yeah. Weird Michigan, Linda. and the original guys. Was they, Tenny there? 
Because he, he keeps he, saying he was there, he but I was, don't remember he him. He was there, he said. I, I, have, I have brushed elbows with John Tenney over the last 20 years, but right? never met him. So, yes, he said he was there. I so just I didn't, don't remember yeah, that I, dude I there. Well, I didn't, I didn't meet no many, many people then. But, but I, had yeah. a, I had a really nice, uh, long conversation with Doug at that time. Good. About uh, ghostly talk and, and, and everything. So it was yeah. uh, a lot of fun. So that's my... Uh, I've talked to Doug a couple times since then, but that's my best memory of, yeah, of Doug yeah. is, is that, that, uh, that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, Steve, thank you. Um, we, you drove a couple hours yeah. to come do this with us here yeah. in our I, I will, I will I'll come back anytime. I, I just. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're really honored well, that you take the and, time and to and come to give, see us. To give, to give Steve some props, too. When I met Steve at the UFO Con in person, and we walked away from talking with you all night on Friday. And then we were all in our little huddle talking on Saturday. It wasn't really a bunch of people drinking. It was just people talking about ideas like we're sitting here and people's mind being blown or just remembering certain things or the fact that someone else knows something that you know and like, oh, my God, wait, I got a story. Let me tell you about this. But I came away from meeting you going, ah, I just want to read more. I want like I had so many ideas from sitting there with you guys where I'm like, oh, my God, I got to read this. I got to learn more about Keel. I got to read this book. I got to do this. <laughs> I and I think that. you have that infectious enthusiasm. Oh, good. Even if you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm just a researcher. You're not just a researcher. You are able to deliver this in a way that makes it infectious. Oh, good. It makes other well, people want to learn more. Thank you so much. I You're appreciate welcome. that. Let's give John Tinney props, too. Because oh, yeah. He, he does that to me. Jenny's I think. A, he, Man. Jenny. Tenny, that's that's John Tenny. He's Jenny, Jenny. Tan, Jenny, Jenny Tan. Jenny Tan. He well, is just as infectious. Well, I, I, I uh, as you know, his car had broken yes. down. So I made the two-hour trip over to pick him up. Yep. And we went up to uh, uh, Houghton Lake together. Yep. But it was about three hours from there. Right? Two, yeah, and about half, three, two and a half. Two and a half, whatever. Hours, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, round trip back. It was nonstop. Yeah. You know, total geekdom. Right. About, and it's, we're so blown away by, we're on the same way. Yeah. And now he's, I'm, I'm almost 20 years older than he is. Yeah. So, uh, but we grew up in adjacent suburbs, and uh, he's so something I, I I don't think I can uh, I can say is a project he's involved in, which I can say it's the broad umbrella of the Shaver mystery, which is something we got to talk about someday. Uh, yes. But I won't be specific because I think it's it's secret. But we both had the same idea, okay. this obscure idea. The difference is. He's done something about it, and he's. I'm the research guy thinking, wouldn't that be cool? John Tenney's the guy doing it. Doing it. it. Yes. I know. He is, he's fearless. I, I'm sure that it would be some point where he can tell, talk about it. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. But, guys, yeah, I really, yes. no, thank, really thank you, appreciate Steve. you guys having me. Thank this you, has Steve. been an absolute blast. Now we're going to go drink some more coffee and hang out. And some we're going to hang out. We're going to see. Maybe the wind stopped and we can have a fall fire. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we can. Let's have a fall fire. We can still have a fire in the oh backyard. Oh, my God. We can tell ghost stories outside. Oh, my God. Can't oh, my God. Not scary ones, though. <laughs> nice ones where everybody you know right yeah. Vesuvians till next time guys ghostly talk the levels on the board real quick excellent all right let me just check uh, yeah actually uh, Steve yeah, talk again for me Steve if you don't mind uh, another Facebook moment beautiful that's okay, good Amber good. I gotta check your level Keith let me check your level Hello, my name is Keith. You're booming. Hey. How, 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 are you, how close are you on the mic? I'm about six inches off. It's your big fucking booming <laughs> he, he, voice. You know, he's got the dick mic and he's six <laughs> inches off. Yeah. Now, yeah. I didn't want to say anything. But yes. If he's it got is. the dick mic, it, it what is. mic do oh. I have? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> so we can make that work. <laughs>